Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Housekeeping with Elk and Meerkat. I'm Meerkat. And I'm Elk. And today's episode is called Histories. Not Herstories. Histories. Histories, even though it's a her. It is her. Actually, her all of them story. are hers. Every patient we come across, and this one is a her. Yeah. All right. Because women run the world. Should have called it Herstories. <laughs> we do have a couple of content warnings coming towards you. Um... If you haven't watched this episode yet, there is a lot of strobe light activity. So we do want to put that out there. Um, I do not have epilepsy and it still made me, it kind of triggered a migraine for me, actually. So heads up. Uh, there's also some death, including just a titch of child death. And homelessness, specifically the treatment of homeless people, as well as people with mental illness. Um, and how they are absolutely treated by people like shit. <laughs> Yeah, for so, sure. So, wanted to put that out there. Also, would like to tell you that we are not medical doctors, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice. Don't listen to us. Don't listen to us. Listen to your doctors. And Talk- if you're going to listen to us, the only thing that you should listen to is us telling you to listen to your doctors. Right. All right. That's the end of it. Okay. Let's go. Tell us. All right. I was about to, and then my phone scrolled all the way to the bottom, so let me go back up. Dr. House and the team treat a homeless woman whose worsening symptoms and unknown identity prove to be a complex mystery. I think it's funny that you have all your notes on your phone, mm-hmm. and I print mine out and have a lot of handwritten notes. It just shows how different we are. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't imagine trying to do this not on paper. I Sometimes I wonder if I shouldn't print my stuff out, but nah. then I look at it and I'm like, oh, I'm, I do okay on my phone. Who it's not too bad. It? Anyways, tell us who's in it. All right. This week, we have Leslie Hope as Victoria Madsen, who is the primary patient. Not Leslie Nope. Not Leslie Nope. Leslie Hope. It's basically the exact opposite. (laughs) Uh, She has been on a few things. She plays Judith on the show Slasher, which I still need to watch, apparently. Um, Anita Gibbs on Suits, which I will never watch, apparently. All right. Uh, Secretary of the Navy Sarah Porter on NCIS. Fun. Mrs. McMichael on the movie Crimson Peak. I haven't seen it in a while, but apparently Ooh. she's on that movie. Gorgeous movie, yeah. first of all. Haven't watched it in a while, so I, it could use a rewatch. Don't I could love also, the story. Love everything I, else about I it. I could the just aesthetic. watch it on mute and be happy. Yeah, it's all about aesthetic with that one. And then um, she plays uh, Joan Luss on The Strain. Which is a show I've watched, yes. but I don't know. I think I've seen a couple episodes of it. I don't know which role that she that is on that one. Apparently, she wasn't there for very long because it only showed like one year. Did the strain get her? Probably. It was too much of a strain. Okay. Okay, let's Next. move on. Um, and she has also directed a few episodes of Lost in Space. Oh, the, that's cool. The Netflix one. Yeah, pretty good. Lots of roles in front of and behind the camera. I like that. Uh, next, we have Larry Clark as Officer Gilmar, the policeman who brings Victoria back to the hospital after she leaves. Heads up, spoiler alert, we don't like him. Nope, not at all. Uh, fuck the police. Um, he's had a lot of roles. He uh, has had roles on Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Shameless, etc. Lots of shows I'd probably recognize him from, but I didn't recognize him. We haven't watched Shameless. Yeah. We'd probably like it. We I did mean, finally watch Shit's Creek. We're almost done. Almost done with that. We're making our roommate watch through Hannibal currently, which uh, I'm all about that. 
love Hannibal. If you haven't watched Hannibal, for the love of Glob, go watch it. Please do. And luckily now it's on Netflix. It used to be like only on Amazon Prime and you could only watch the first season. The other two you had to pay for. Yeah. Go but, go watch it. It's beautiful. Yeah, great. Uh, next we have Smith Cho as Julia, a med student. Um, She's had some smaller roles. It seems like she's been more of like a... I don't know. I wouldn't She's say character actor. Yeah. Um, side person. Apparently she was on the movie Norbit. She played Beth on Fired Up. Uh, Gina on The Circle. Oh. Okay. Okay. You've seen The Circle? No. Yeah. Not not the horror movie. The one oh. with um, Emma it? Emma Watson oh. and uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Okay. I yes to both of them. is the horror one called the circle also i think it's just called circle okay or it I, may, may be called the circle i've also seen the emma watson one but i prefer the horror movie one probably yeah, i haven't seen good. the other anyways one. um and she also was a woodland fairy on blades of glory um dreams cool first of all there we go um i'm gonna butcher her name it's either ogie or og durham as Chris Dewey, the other med student. She looked familiar. What, she did. What has she been on? Um, she plays Odessa on the show Lucifer. Um, she had like a one-off role on How I Met Your Mother. You. And then she plays Miranda on The Cavern, which looks like a Descent knockoff. I, w- I was literally about to say, is that, is that like the, the prequel to The Descent? Like, it, IMDb had a picture of her that I looked at it and I was like, was she on the descent like maybe the second mm-hmm. one because i knew she wasn't on the first right. one but uh when i looked yeah she looks familiar the cavern so also the descent great movie if you're into horror at all and being claustrophobic as oh, fuck. one of my favorites uh next we has we has <laughs> i has i'm leslie, the drunk one right now <laughs> leslie carpman as jody uh, a young patient the med students are assigned to uh take histories for yes she plays Debbie on Desperate Housewives and Veronica on Seventh Heaven. Nope. That's a that's a no for me. Let me just say, we used to watch Seventh Heaven, and looking back on it, I'm like, how did this show last for so long? It's such a fucking weird thing. Like, it was mainstream TV, and it was just a show about a good old Christian family. I, I don't get it. I literally don't know what it's about at all. Yeah. I don't want to. Uh, don't tell me. Nope. Well, no, I was going to say, it's got some people you'd recognize on it. Don't care. Beverly Mitchell. Who's it? Who that? She's on Saw 2, the blonde one who keeps whining the oh. entire time. Yeah, okay. she was on that. Okay. Jessica Biel. Oh. Yeah, she's on it too. Okay. Well, so. just because they have good people doesn't mean it's good. No, it wasn't a great show. Uh, next, we have Suzanne Ford as Mrs. Whitney, um, who is a patient waiting for an MRI. <laughs> I recognized her. She's been in a few things. Like, she seemed recognizable to me, but I didn't, like, I couldn't place her. I mean, she's basically just any whiny high society thinks they're more important than they are character. She, she's kind of a, maybe a Karen or maybe more of a Deborah. I don't know. She's she's a Debbie or a Bev. Yeah. Yeah. I could say that. Yeah. Bevy. Oh my. But not like Bev from it. No. Because she's cool. Because she's, we're, we're down with her. She's We're fine. just going to talk about horror today. That's what I want to do. I've been watching too much Hannibal. Whoops. Whoops. Uh, next, we have Martinez Evelina as... 
this is so weird on IMDb. Like half of these seem like they're backwards. Like I thought it would be Cho Smith and not Smith Cho. This one is listed as Martinez Evelina and Evelina Martinez makes more sense to me, but I don't know. I don't know why it lists them that way, but she plays tall girl. Who is the girl at the rave who uh, (laughs) interacts with our patient that makes out with her and tries to. Yeah. Yeah. She plays Monique on an episode of Dexter. I'd have to rewatch. Yeah, I'd have to go watch it. Which I'm Um, down to rewatch. But she's mostly had smaller roles on really fairly big shows. Uh, Shameless, Scandal, CSI Miami, ER, The West Wing. Right. So she does all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Next, we have Bonnie Perlman as Mom. Hey, Mom. She is, I guess, the mom of the clinic patients that House doesn't end up seeing. That one scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, She's not related to Ron Perlman. Okay. Ronnie Perlman. This is Bonnie Perlman. (laughs) She is kind of like the previous one. She's had smaller roles on bigger shows. She was a nurse on Lie to Me, Mrs. Farr on Scrubs. Lie to Me was actually pretty good. I never watched that one. It wasn't bad. Okay. It wasn't great. I mean, I I like Tim Roth a lot, so I assume I would enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, And last we have Farrah Schuyler Green as a nurse. I don't know which nurse she played. I thought maybe she was the nurse that comes in and turns on the light and Foreman yells at her, but I don't think that's her. That scene makes me laugh. Um, it's weird that they cast credited it. her. Yeah, yeah, credited. There we go. Credited one nurse. We see nurses literally all, all the, the time. time. Um, it seems she is usually just an extra or a crew member on most most things she's worked on, but she did have one other acting role as a flight attendant on Malcolm in the Middle nice if you haven't watched malcolm in the middle please do you will like it also love that show yes. i've actually seen every episode very good uh Are but you that's done it yet? yeah thank good you good timing okay all right let's get into the story time for you to talk more <laughs> okay a woman <laughs> who appears to be homeless based on how she's dressed and acting and, and whatnot tries to get into a rave being held at an abandoned home she is looking for someone named James and says that he's inside and that he knows her. Uh, the doorman doesn't want to let her in, but once she convinces him, like, oh, I know someone inside, he kind of is like, okay, you can go in. Yeah, it kind of feels bad for her and says she can go in. It's kind of weird that they have a doorman at a rave at an abandoned house. That's like, not weird. Is it? It's not? No. What do they cover? Legal costs? Alcohol. Oh, Okay. 20 bucks seems a bit steep. That is a little steep Um, for my college partying experience. Anyways, mm-hmm. I never paid to get into a party because I have boobs. But I mean, five, <laughs> so ten do bucks. I, but they don't like mine. <laughs> five or ten bucks max for like a keg fee. But $20. Oh. There were drugs also. so Maybe they were providing that. That'd this is nice. uh, all-inclusive rave, I guess. He does specifically say that she hasn't brushed her teeth, which I assume means he can kind of smell her breath, mm-hmm. which is going to come into play here in a second. Because yeah, I was a little... nothing grosses me out more than bad breath and morning breath. I don't even try to kiss me on like the head before you brush your teeth in the morning. I don't want you anywhere near me. I don't hate kiss it. me or my son ever again. <laughs> While looking for James inside and calling out his name, a woman... Woman B, we'll call her, tells woman A she knows where he is and leads woman A away, tries to slip her some drugs uh, by kissing her. Tall woman. Yes, tall woman. Tries to slip her some drugs by kissing her, 
but she pulls back and ends up spitting them out. She, woman A, is then assaulted by the girlfriend of tall woman. Yes. Who uh, pushes her into a wall. Uh, and I guess she hits her head when that happens. Which also she, before this, she was very taken aback by said strobing lights. Yes, she was kind of disoriented and wasn't I really sure what was happening. I think she is having a seizure because mm-hmm. we've talked before about... Doesn't have to be full body tremors right. and all Seizure of that. Seizure is just any electrical activity, too much electrical activity in your brain. Which we keep zooming into her brain on this scene yes. too. I, I think they are trying to say, hey, she is having a seizure. Some type, yeah. Um. Also in my partying experience, you come in looking like that and smelling like that. Someone's not going to kiss you, but they're also not going to waste two tablets there of were some more sort. Than that. I were swear there, more? there were like four that she spits out Drugs on the ground. Drugs are expensive. And they're not just going to be like, hey, this random person, let's lick them and give them some drugs. What? I will say one of them definitely looked like a Tums. It may have been a Mentos. <laughs> so let me slip okay. you some Mentos. If it was Tums Wild Berry, <laughs> I'm about it. I want that tropical Tums. Get oh, it in me. So good. Any way you can. Basically turned her into a Pez dispenser. It may have been Pez. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, So officers end up arriving to break up this party and she attacks one of them because she says, no, no, she's helping me find James. She's delusional. Yeah, she's delusional. But the flashing lights and the fact that she kind of hit her head on the wall end up being too much for her. And she, after sort of spazzing out, goes unconscious. Can we talk about this scene just really quickly? Yes. We, I, content warning, I guess. We are going to talk about police. And police brutality. And, and police violence. A cab. Yes. And if you're not okay with listening to that, you can go ahead and skip this episode. Yep. Because we're going to talk about it. Um, in this scene, there is an officer on top of her, slams her into the ground, is pinning her down. There are times where this is necessary. Don't get me wrong. But... He's doing all this, and then she passes out, and he says, I didn't even touch her. I didn't her. even touch her. Yeah. Um, you just slammed her into the ground. Yeah. You did touch her. And that pissed me the fuck off. It, she, like, she was freaking out, and she pushed yeah. an officer, and, you know, I, I get it. I do. But him go, oh, I, I didn't touch her. Yes, you did. Don't try to, what? Well, and it's, it's one of those things where... I feel like he's, oh, it's just a white lie. I I did touch her, but I wasn't rough with her. Well, then why didn't she fucking say that? Which that's that? going to come up later. Yeah. Why didn't she just say, and I wasn't, I, I just put her on the ground. I wasn't rough with her. I didn't throw her against the wall or anything. So then they say, well, now we have to go to the hospital. Yeah. I guarantee you they would not take her to the hospital. No. And if you want to come at me for saying that, go for it. They would have left her ass there. I mean, or they would have put her up, outside. They're breaking up a party, like a trespassing party. With yeah, probably they underage kids and drugs and shit. Like they're exactly. She is not. They're not going to take her ass to the hospital. Are you fucking kidding me? They're going to say, "Oh, we thought she was just overdosed. Oh, we thought she was drunk, and we just left her there to sober up." Yeah. If anything, they're going to throw her in jail in a fucking drunk tank. Yeah. They're not going to take her to the hospital. Oh, she she passed out. Oh, okay. Well, bye. It, not my problem. Mm. Hmm. There will be more of that discussion later. Yes. Again, if you don't want to hear it, bye. Not for you. So, at the hospital, Wilson tries to get Foreman to take the woman's case. She turns out she is indeed homeless and was brought to the ER assuming she had OD'd, but her talk screen was clean. 
Foreman says homeless means she's probably crazy and has no money, so Cuddy won't let them take the case. But Wilson says, well, it's a teaching hospital, so right. of course we are. The woman has no ID on her and can't even remember her name, so they have no access to medical records or history. They can't get it from her either. Yes. Wilson was called in due to lesions on her arm, which ended up not being cancerous, but he did notice a twitch in her wrist. So, I, there's that. Wilson's just looking for a reason at this point. There yeah. is a twitch in her wrist, but... Uh, so, Foreman meets the patient. She does have feeling in her hands, but she is unable to grip his fingers or raise her arms yes. very far or for very long. She begins seizing, and Foreman thinks she's faking it. Excuse me, so she won't be discharged, but Wilson demonstrates she isn't by picking up her hand and letting it fall, and it, like, smacks her directly in the face, so she's not faking it. They prick her finger and find out her blood sugar is at 38, so Wilson orders D50 in an IV push? Yes. Is that dextrose? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you more about it when you get done with the scene. That's it for now. Okay, cool. So... I want to point out that she is delusional. Mm-hmm. I think they actually use that word. So I just wanted to talk about the word delusional. Um, this is probably what most of you think, right? So you have some sort of belief, whether we're talking about long-term belief or in that moment belief mm-hmm. that is contradicted by reality or rational rationalization. Okay. So we could be talking about um, some flat earthers uh they are considered delusional right because it's everyone it's, at the capital riot it is proven by fact and reality and rational argument that mm-hmm. that's not true um but this also applies to like symptoms of mental disorder mm-hmm. i guess right um they give her out of van during the scene Mm-hmm. We've talked about it a million times. It treats seizure disorders, and it can be used as a, uh, a sedative. There we go. Okay. Blood sugar at 38. Yo, that ain't good. That's damn low. Even I know that, and I don't know much about <laughs> blood sugar. <laughs> so once your blood sugar is below 70, it's not good and could possibly lead to harm. Mm-hmm. Once your blood sugar is below 54, you was in danger. So 38's not good. Not wonderful. Right? Yeah. So they give her a D50 IV. Mm-hmm. This is a injection that is 50% dextrose. Dextrose, spe- what? 50% seems, wow. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> it's, That's it's like Kool-Aid levels of yeah. dextrose. So dextrose is sugar from corn. Okay. Okay. Specifically. Uh, so... They are going to give her that, and it's essentially just dextrose and water, mm-hmm. and they're going to inject it, and it's going to help with some fluid, because pushing a little bit of fluid, and then also nutrients, sugar. Yeah. So it's really going to get that, that sugar up quickly, but it'll maintain it a little better than, say, chugging some orange juice real quick. Yeah. Because it's actually going through your bloodstream, and it's mixed with water, and it's going to stay a little bit longer. Kind of like how you could force water into someone's mouth or you could just give them a subcutaneous shot yes. yeah I where it's gonna that, stay though. there <laughs> i want it glowy skin hydrate me vet daddy <laughs> wilson points out that this woman didn't fake her low blood sugar but foreman still thinks she's faking it and that she must be diabetic and just od'd on her own insulin 
he believes inducing a seizure on herself, bought her a nice place to sleep and some free food, and that if they check her effects, her bag that she brought in, they'll find insulin in it. Wilson wonders why she'd fake a twitch when a seizure is obvious enough and believes she may have a brain tumor which would require a neurologist's help, or ergo why he wants Foreman to help out. But Foreman is still not interested and tells Wilson to just watch her blood sugar for a few hours, give her something to eat, and discharge her. Anything? Got anything? I can move on. Uh, you don't really say anything. That's right. Wilson <laughs> talks to House about Foreman refusing the case and says he didn't care at all about her symptoms and just wanted her to leave for some reason. Like, he's not being objective. House says, well, neither are you. This seems pretty cut and dry. Why are you so interested in it? I mean, yeah. And because he's curious about Wilson being interested in the fact that Wilson seems to get, like, really emotional about it, he decides to take the case. Yeah. The case Which we've seen before. Somebody yeah. else thinks the case is interesting. He wants to know why they think it's so interesting, so he takes it. Less about the case, more about the why you want me to take this case. Exactly. Cameron suggests the woman's twitch it could be a mini-seizure unrelated to her diabetes, and Chase suggests it might be a brain tumor. Wow. Chase jumping straight up to the big boy stuff. I mean, it could be. It's not wrong. It could, could. be a million other things, but yeah, it could be a brain tumor. Could be demonic possession. I mean, <laughs> let's let's just throw that out there. Foreman thought he discharged her, but Wilson says, well, I never formally gave you this patient. It's still my patient, so I decided to get a different opinion. Chase guesses maybe it's a subdural hematoma due to her hitting her head at that rave, but Horman says there wasn't any evidence of cranial trauma, so she must not have hit it very hard, I guess. Cameron jumps back to the brain tumor due to the twitch, but Foreman says it could point to a dozen other things as well. He ain't wrong. Nope. Foreman says homeless people are good at two things, getting sick and scamming people. Harsh. Foreman suggests they do an MRI, but doesn't think they'll find anything, and says he's known more homeless people than Wilson, so he thinks he knows them better. But Wilson points out that doesn't mean this one is lying and that Foreman currently isn't being very objective about it. Foreman wonders why House is interested in this case, but he doesn't really, House doesn't really answer and instead suggests they find out who this woman is. They need to figure yeah, out. She's still Jane Doe at this point. Exactly. He empties her bag and he ends up finding in, in there a sweater with vomit on it. Um, Foreman also Ugh. finds an insulin needle. So yes, she, but I forgot she is about diabetic. the scene. So House, you disgusting fuck, ends up touching the sweater and then tasting it to determine its flavor i guess and he says it's salty which yeah. would point to a chemical imbalance yeah. i guess vomit's not supposed to be salty well pretty much it just means she's dehydrated yeah because you've you've got water and salt if you take away more water you're going to taste more salt it's pretty yeah. much all that comes down to they end up saying i think that her magnesium could be low or yes. her calcium yeah. So he says, um, we're going to push off an MRI for now. Let's put her on a banana bag for 24 hours to collect or correct any electrolyte imbalance. House tells Foreman he's taking the case primarily because he's interested in why Foreman doesn't want him to take it. After everyone leaves, he tells Foreman that. Yeah. Chase hangs the banana bag and notices the patient is drawing comics of the doctors. Pretty good comics. Yeah. Not, she's not a bad drawer. Drawer. Sure. Drawer. Artist? Crown. Crayon. Crown. Oh, no. Drawer. Draw. She draws good pictures. She states that Foreman doesn't like her, and Chase says, well, Foreman doesn't like me either. Yeah. Which I, I don't 
don't think that's true. No, I, I don't. think Foreman dislikes Chase. I think he's joking around. Chase is, at least. Chase asks who James is. He sees a character in the comic and says, okay, well, I know these are us. Who's this guy? And Jane Doe reacts immediately by getting a sudden pain in her head, and then she begins violently lashing out at them in some kind of paranoid panic. Foreman orders one milligram of Ativan and attempts to restrain her, but she bites his wrist hard enough to draw blood. Yes. Foreman says, luckily, she's negative for HIV and hepatitis C. Chase says that, but yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Chase says that. Uh, Foreman says, either way, he's getting a tetanus shot and she's getting an immediate MRI. Chase points out there's a two-day wait for non-emergency MRIs, but Foreman insists she gets one today so that he can get rid of her. Yep. He's just tired of it at this point. Um, Go ahead. Did you want to know what a banana bag is? Yes. Okay. Banana hammock. So it's a bag of IV fluids. I'm pretty sure you figured that out, right? And it has vitamins and minerals mixed in. So it's probably got thiamine, some maybe folic acid, magnesium sulfate, which they were talking about. She probably need magnesium. And it's basically used if they're like, oh, you have a chemical imbalance. We need to give you some shit, right? Mm -hmm. They give you this. And it tinges a bit yellow. So it's a banana bag. Should have just given her some yellow Gatorade. That'll fix your electrolyte loss. Sponsor us, please. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gatorade, uh, we want to talk. Also, I just want to say banana back. Banana back. Banana back. Okay, we got to move on before people start canceling Quitting. us. Yeah. Foreman finds uh, a patient, Mrs. Whitney, waiting for an MRI. And he attempts her to, or attempts to lead her away so that they can get the homeless patient in instead. He's trying to steal her MRI spot, essentially. So he wheels her away in her chair, and Chase wheels Jane Doe in to get an MRI instead. Okay. So aside from being unethical, yeah. he hands Chase the paper, right, for Miss Whitney, um, with her information on it. To this, pretend Jane Doe is her. This could lead to hella problems. That's got to be a HIPAA violation. Well, like, yeah. But shit. also, like, once they have this MRI... The, this it's going in a record? Well, yeah, and this isn't how shit works, okay? They go in there, and they sit and watch the MRI, and then they get the results in their hands right away. That's not how that actually works, right? Yeah. You, you have other people in there reading. Your doctor's busy doing something else. Maybe if... There are specialized teams like this, so maybe that is how these specialized teams work. But for Miss Whitney, that's not how that worked. Her doctor wasn't going to sit there the whole time. So now this is ending up in somebody else's record, and they're going to have an MRI of the wrong person, and they're going to be like, yo, Miss Whitney, you ain't doing so good. Yeah. You got problems. But the MRI doesn't actually happen, so. No. We stopped before then. The... Let me see. Caddy, oh my god, Caddyshack. How you doing, bud? <laughs> Cuddy catches him and Chase before they start the MRI. So uh, she's kind of getting on to Foreman about it. Foreman says that the spot they took, or the patient whose spot they took, was only there for a checkup on her chin implants. Which is like a weird. Six-month Wouldn't that checkup. just be an x-ray? I don't know. Someone tell me. I feel like you could do that with an x-ray. Yeah, an MRI seems a bit... Drastic, yeah, Yeah. invasive. I don't know. Uh, While their case had a more, you know, immediate medical need, Cuddy doesn't seem too angry, which she should be. She's the administrator. Mm -hmm. 
but insists that Jane Doe can't get an MRI. Her CT scan shows a surgical pin in her arm, and the magnet in the MRI would have ripped it out. I'm going to say they must... I guess they missed this. I have questions. She had a scan. When did she have a CT? Why did she have a CT? Um, Maybe Wilson ran one on her? Did Cuddy run a CT after she pulled her out of the MRI? Like... I don't understand when the CT happened because that's not something you would just randomly do. I'm assuming do. it w- it had to happen before because that's why she pulled her out of the MRI is I mean, she I guess, saw the pin. Why? But also, why did Cuddy get that scan? Yeah, it's it's weird. So, yes, MRIs can rip metal out of your body, right? We all we all kind of know that it's literally MRI magnetic resonance imaging. There's magnets. <laughs> um, there is some metal that won't be affected, like titanium mm-hmm. and aluminum, because they're not magnetic, right? I don't know what's in me. Oh, I, I know ask. what's in you. Mine's titanium. I don't think Gatorade is. is in me because I hydrated <laughs> earlier. Sponsor us. Gatorade. H2O. So, if you have something like a, let's say a hip replacement, and it is secured to the bone, Mm-hmm. Even if it was a magnetic material, it won't just get ripped out. Okay, it it's not gonna like rip hurt. your entire <laughs> your entire hip out. Um, but something like a pin in your arm that's a lot closer to the surface and not secured definitely mm-hmm. could. So, kind of very basically, the magnetic fields are going to create electrical currents in the metal, mm-hmm. and that's going to heat up the soft tissue around it. And it could end up ripping it out. But even if, I'm not sure if you have like a hip implant, mm-hmm. um, I feel like you would still get a little bit of that heat, right? Yeah. Even though it doesn't rip it out. I'm not sure. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I assume, okay, so if we're going to assume the CT scan did happen, I'm guessing that Foreman was- happen? I'm, I'm just it assuming- It me. Yeah. Foreman was so interested in just getting her the fuck out. That he didn't even bother looking at that test. He okay, just said, give her an MRI and get her the fuck out. If they already had a CT, why did they even need that? <sighs> I, I don't, don't like know. it. Can we take a break? I'm irritated. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back after these non-messages. I did some yoga. We're back. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so, House says, okay, well, let's just take the pin out. And then we can do the MRI. And when Cuddy pushes back on House doing that, he says Foreman thinks that she might have a brain tumor. He's the neurologist, so of course he can blame it on him. Foreman is about to say something, but House kind of cuts him off. Cuts yeah. him off and keep convinces him to keep his mouth shut. And Cuddy authorizes that to take out the pen and do the MRI, but says they can't do anything else until they get the patient's identity and her medical history. This is so smart. Yes. House volunteers Foreman to go canvas the patient's like known hangout area. areas or where she's she is. Because she's drawing comics exactly. of her area. To discover if anyone knows her. Foreman speaks with a homeless man there who says he doesn't know her, but then the man says, oh, I might remember something. You got a nice coat. So Foreman gives him his coat, and this man takes Foreman to her, I guess, shanty or something, where she usually sleeps. Yes. When he lifts a tarp, a bunch of bats fly out of it. Yep. Very dark night of her. Foreman doesn't find much in there, but he does find sort of like a file folder, one of the really big sort of legal ones, Mm -hmm. with a bunch of her drawn comics in it. So he takes that with him. K-9 
Cameron says they found no tumor on the MRI in the patient's brain. Chase seems annoyed that they went through the trouble of removing her surgical pen to do an MRI just so Foreman wouldn't get in trouble with Cuddy. But, uh, let me see here. Wilson thinks something neurological could still be going on, even though they didn't find it, which I guess they're not wrong. Or he's not wrong. I mean, I mean there's, yeah, there's tons of neurological things that could not, not be, be a, a tumor. brain tumor. House then looks at one of her drawings and pretends to interpret it. <laughs> he says he's just looking at a simple desert like scene and saying, "Reading tea leaves." Yeah, you. Oh, you see these uh, mesas that she draw. That's the Philadelphia skyline, and this cactus represents a, a crashed car, so a car accident, and the water in it obviously represents, say, October, and the page number must represent a date. So. Uh, looking at all of it combined, I've deduced that she was in a car accident two years ago in Philly. And it's really funny because uh, Wilson starts to play along. Going into it, like, yeah. Good grief, really? Is that <laughs> is that what happened? Is she okay? Uh, they end up finding out, though, um, that the reason he knew all of this is because the surgical pin that they removed is imprinted with a serial number, which tells them who it was put in or yes. intended to be put in. Which is nice because that would also be good for like identifying someone if yeah, yours they... have serial numbers. I have all the paperwork. Ooh, yeah. Any so any you can't implant help to kill me and not have my body be identified. Yes, any implant that you have has a serial number, and he does say it's for like recalls and stuff like that. Um, so that basically they can say, oh shit, it, you know, if your car gets a recall, mm-hmm. they look at the VIN number. It's it's the same thing your airbag's going to blow up, and so you got to... So if the airbag in this surgical pin was going to blow up, yes. that we need to know. Yeah, because there could be... I'm not going to go into it. There could be things wrong with it, so they need to tell. Manufacturing so problems. The whole thing was House had this whole scheme going on of, I'm going to say I need this MRI so badly just so I can have permission to remove this pin, mm-hmm. and then I can have a serial number of it. Yeah, Which is once really he, smart. Once he found out there was a pin in her, he let Foreman do this and so that it, he could pretend. Yeah, yeah that that's really smart. So now he has her name and all of her medical information. You know, other things that are recalled. They actually, I believe, put uh, medical serial numbers on uh, surgical pins in your hot pockets so that they can recall them when there's glass in them. Apparently that was a thing that I saw on facebook or something yeah, that's a thing i don't eat hot pockets because they okay they like stopped making lean pockets yeah i don't sponsor us hot pockets unless you bring I, back lean pockets am i crazy <laughs> they don't exist anymore was it like that garlic spinach one or something well, it was all of them there's like two lean pockets now i really liked that spinach now one. they only make mean pockets which i'm sad i'm sad too i'm Anyways, sad for you let's talk about medical stuff the patient's name is believed to be Victoria Matson. Uh, sometimes homeless people may cycle through different names to continue getting treatment at different facilities. If they present the same name, they say, oh, we've already treated you before. You're just right. here to yeah. get more drugs or something. But he says any hospital with information under that name should be sending it to yes. them. Foreman looks at one that's printed off and he panics and runs to Victoria's room. Her magnesium levels came back as normal so he stopped the banana bag Uh and started her on iron dextran to treat severe anemia but the records she just got shows she's allergic to iron dextran whoops so 
they arrive and find Victoria going into anaphylactic shock. Anaphylactic shock. Yeah. She's she's not breathing very well. Chase tells Cramron to grab some epi off the crash cart, and Who? he Cramron. Cramron. <laughs> Foreman or Cameron? Kramer. <laughs> I'm calling Cameron. you out on that Chase one. tells Cameron to grab some epi off the crash cart. Chase injects her with the epi into her arm. Why not the pick line? She's got a fucking pick line. Just put it directly into her vein. They needed it fast, though. Yeah. I mean, that's... Epis, you can pretty much stab anywhere. Most of the time, you see people do it in the thigh. Mm-hmm. Um, grabbing that pick and getting it... I, I Epis worried he'd miss. I assume you can do it into a pick line. It's got a needle. I think yeah. you can do anything into a pick. They also... But, yeah. Yeah. They also put her on oxygen, and she does stabilize. Yes. House speaks with Foreman about the patient now that they know who she is. Foreman still thinks she's faking symptoms. Cameron, not Kramer, or Cameron, <laughs> arrives with more medical records showing that Victoria has had seven visits to various ERs in the past two years. The first visit, she was unconscious, and that's when they put the pin in. So they had her name, I guess, but no address. I don't know how they got her name without getting her address because I assume they would have like looked at her license or something. Yeah, that seemed but, really odd to me yeah. as well. Um, because they were like, oh, she was unconscious, so they couldn't get the address. And I'm like, well, then how did you get your... Anyways. Maybe she had it written on her forehead. I... <laughs> did you want me to talk about stuff? Just yeah, real yeah, quick to it. catch up. So magnesium, I was just going to point out, I meant to earlier, um, it's going to help you control blood pressure as well as... I said that weird, and then I just leaned into it. As well. As well as blood sugar. So... They stabilize that. That's doing good. And iron dextrin is used for iron deficiency anemia. So exactly what they were saying they were putting her on that for. Uh, As far as allergies, it is rare to have an allergy to it. But if you have an allergy to it, it's... It's bad. It's going to be anaphylaxis. All right. It's going to be bad. Anaphylaxis. Whiskey. Right. Epinephrine, we've talked about it a million times, and it treats allergic reactions. You probably think about it as an EpiPen, right? You're allergic to peanuts or shellfish or something, you stab yourself or somebody else stabs you. That's essentially what they do to her, and it's going to relax the muscles in your airways, and it's always also, also going to tighten your blood vessels. I love some tight blood vessels. Ooh, I don't girl, know. your blood vessels is tight. Tight. Nice. Cool. Rough Go on. Sex. I just wanted to catch up so that I didn't end up like talking a lot later like you do. <laughs> we just use this podcast to throw to just shade rag on each other. <laughs> so, um, after that initial visit, the next several vis- visits, she provided her real name but fake addresses too. We'll find out why later. Wilson wonders if she's had any previous treatment for neurological issues. As far as they can tell, she's only been treated for frostbite the previous winter and for depression. 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 For which she was prescribed Prozac. Expresso depresso. Depresso. House suggests they restart that treatment, the Prozac, assuming she was put on it but couldn't afford to continue it. Chase notices in some billing records that Victoria had appointments for ultrasounds, two of them, about 10 months apart. She kept the first one, but didn't go to the second. 
Wilson assumes she had abdominal pain, which would have been why she went in for the first one. But since they didn't find anything the first time, the nurse set the second appointment and Victoria didn't go to it. He thinks she may have ovarian cancer since those appointments were set with an oncologist. I have a side note. Yeah, go for it. Um, So they say that she had ultrasounds scheduled, mm-hmm. right? And I think when most people think of ultrasounds, they think of them for pregnancy. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're already thinking abdominal. But you can have ultrasounds on other parts of the body. I just wanted to point that out. I had an ultrasound on my legs. Yeah. Um, I have thyroid issues, and so I get checked for cancer pretty regularly. And I get ultrasounds on my thyroid. Mm-hmm. So on my neck, which is hella uncomfortable because you lean your neck all the way back and then they have to push so hard and they literally just choke you and you're not allowed to swallow and it's awful and you're not allowed to say thank you daddy or anything like that either they frown on that you moan awkwardly and they are they just one time just one time makes it all weird i get them at the same time as my pap smears um (laughs) (laughs) sorry too far um anyways i i just wanted to point that out they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, ultrasound abdomen, which obviously they know that because they were looking at the records, but the show doesn't clarify. So I just wanted to say, yes, you can have ultrasounds on other parts of your body. You do what you want to do. You know, you don't have to be pregnant to get an ultrasound. If you want an ultrasound, girl, boy, non-binary, fucking get one. Um, also, Prozac is a SSRI. This is selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. If any of you have been on SSRIs and you don't know what that stands for that's what it stands for and it can help with depression OCD uh, bulimia actually it's prescribed for bulimia occasionally Hmm. as well as panic disorders okay interesting so uh, even though she set those appointments with an oncologist Chase said her blood work doesn't show cancer and her CA125 is normal Foreman also says it wouldn't account for her twitch or any other symptoms but House says neoplastic syndrome secondary to the ovarian cancer would cause all of those issues and so he again orders an ultrasound yeah so let me catch us up again i have a lot of little things here so ca125 is a protein it's a uh, cancer antigen so if your ca125 level is high it is probably because of ovarian cancer it's actually the only marker that is used for diagnosis of ovarian cancer. Um, I'm sure there are other ones that they can look at, but it's kind of the main one that they look at that and they're like, oh, yep, that's it. So neoplastic syndrome, I think we've actually touched on before, but it's when your antibodies that are trying to fight the cancer kind of accidentally go after your normal cells in your nervous system. It's not good, uh, but it's, it's pretty common. Ovarian cancer... As usual, I'm not going to go super deep into this because it's a whole topic in and of itself, as cancer is, but it's with the ovaries. Um, Ovaries produce eggs, if you don't know that, and it pretty much goes undetected until it's, I don't want to say until it's too late, but until it's spread into your stomach or into your your pelvis. Mm -hmm. So it, it really doesn't have symptoms in the early stages, which is a problem, right? And this is one of the things that they should be checking for pretty regularly is any issues with this. So once you are in the late stages, you might have some symptoms, but they might just be, you know, weight loss without trying or like loss of appetite, which can obviously lead to weight loss. Um, And once you're too far into ovarian cancer, there's not so much that you can do, which they do kind of bring up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so, so it's something that is definitely a problem. I did find out something about that CA125 test as well. Okay. It's not usually used to screen for or diagnose ovarian cancer. It's more used to track your progress with it, I guess. Um, and looking it up, it said most doctors actually have to talk patients out of getting the test because patients like, oh, I want, you know, I want to know, I want to get this test because I heard about it. They're like, well, it's actually not very good. It's super expensive, apparently, to test for. That's interesting. Do you know what year, like, that was from? Because from everything that I read, it's the main marker that they look at to diagnose mm-hmm. ovarian cancer. I That definitely might have changed. Yeah. Either yours or mine is old information. Something's going on here. Which I try to use updated information, but... They say it's not definitive. It may still be the best option to yeah. diagnose but i it mean may using not be it to track great, yeah. also definitely makes sense so if you are an oncologist or anything like that let us know please do maybe we're wrong one of us is wrong who's it gonna be who's it gonna be find out fuck around find out cuddy speaks with house about the patient and about them not finding a brain tumor house is tasked with a clinic patient who has several children that she shows up with woof this is mom the lady playing mom. Mom. She complains that they are licking each other again <laughs> and that one of them has a seeping wart on his extra toe. Well, I, I assume she's just... I, okay, there's nothing wrong with having extra digits because birth defects are unavoidable and a lot... Well, maybe avoidable by mom, depending on what you did to cause it, but unavoidable by the child. Also, warts are very common in children and people mm-hmm. in general. Um... And our children lick each other constantly. Honestly. <laughs> They're allowed to. Every one of them. Causes hairballs. Uh, yo, girl, let me get your extra digits. <laughs> wow. Uh, so House, to get out of this nightmare, feigns illness and steps out of the clinic, leaving the family with Cuddy. Um, I would not lo- want to look at a seeping wart on a child, much less even just, you know, a child. It's fine. I don't want to look at child's. Children's. (laughs) Child's. Any of your child's. House looks through Victoria's comics. He's trying to find the meaning behind their stories and the characters, trying to identify something there. Foreman wonders if House is trying to teach him something. And House tells him he thinks, based on the comics, that Victoria was probably married and that her husband may have broken up with her, maybe due to a drug habit or something else. Foreman wonders why House cares about her personal history. And again, House says, I don't care. I just want to know why you care or why you don't care. He guesses that Foreman's dad is homeless or deadbeat, left them behind kind of thing. But Foreman says his parents are still together. And we find out in a little bit that they've actually been happily married for 40 years. So that's not the problem. House asks who Foreman is so angry at that made him hate homeless people. But Foreman won't answer and heads up, I don't think we re- really ever find out by the end of this why Foreman seems to despise homeless people so like much. Like by the end of the series? This episode. Oh, okay. I, I was like, we, um, yeah, we find out a lot about his parents and his family, mm-hmm. and, but we will find out why Wilson cares so much. Yes, yes, we do. But I think this is a really good example. So we've talked a bit about House and his racism and sexism and how he's really a piece of trash in a lot of ways um, and how sometimes it's completely 
not helping to the plot or the episode or anything like that. It's not relevant. Um, Yeah. But I think this actually kind of is, right? So House is being a dick. um, But I... I think they do use it in a good way, and maybe you'll talk about this at the end when we talk about things to talk about, uh, with him assuming, you know, that Foreman knew somebody homeless or knows somebody homeless that he's really angry at, and it turns out not only is that not the case, but it's going to come into play with his, quote, you know, white rich friend, right, yeah. as opposed to his... Uh, Criminal background black friend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I do think this house is being a dick. I do think it actually kind of serves a purpose and gives us a message rather than yeah. just his off-color fucking Which bullshit. tells me that the show knows what they can do in a <laughs> yeah. good way, but they just choose not to so often. Right. Much like House. Mm. House then, after this, interrogates Wilson about why he does want this case, and he too dodges the question with jokes. Cuddy arrives and assigns two medical students to house because he's trying to ditch clinic duty. Uh, she wants him to teach them how to take patient histories. Rather than going with them to do it, he says, okay, you've been assigned a patient, right? They say yes. And he says, okay, well then go get their history. Like, he's not interested in coaching them or anything. Do you want to talk about clothing now or later? Yeah, we might as well because it, it, I noticed it a bit before, but okay. it comes up again right now. So let's talk about house first he's wearing a turtleneck yep yes he is it's not snowing out it's cold but it's not snowing but he's wearing a turtleneck yeah weird weird choice i'm i like a i like a mock neck but a, a turtleneck's fine it's just weird in opposition to cuddy wearing a goddamn like spaghetti strap lacy ass low cut sleep camisole that is low cut to her god fucking belly button listen wear what you want all right i dress like a slut on a regular basis cutty flaunted if you got it but and she does wear some low cut stuff before this and he's brought up like oh her her boobs and her femininity yeah this is extreme this is not appropriate for her position in this hospital or for a hospital period. Yeah, and House points it out on one of the med students that yes, he gets assigned to. which is why I wanted to bring it up now. Yeah. So one of them is wearing a V-cut and... It's not as extreme as Cuddy's, but there, it's definitely... cleavage. Yeah. Right? And he brings it up and says that she's bringing attention to her boobs, and she is. That shirt is bringing attention to her boobs. Um, The other one is wearing a collared like, shirt, like collared button-up with a tie. Yeah. Right? So I almost feel like you have those two, and then you have Cuddy and House mm-hmm. um, that are completely opposite each other. It, the fact that he doesn't comment on Cuddy's shirt is weird. Because he has before, and he will again. It is completely inappropriate. It really bothered me. Really bothered I th- me. I think it's, to me, it's more weird because Cuddy, while she does wear stuff like this on occasion, she is very much, of everyone in the show, the most professional, yes. the most... I I need to be above all of this nonsense sort of thing. So it's weird that she would wear something like that, that generally I'm not talking about the validity of what is considered professional or not, but generally that shirt wouldn't be considered no. professional currently. She could do her job well naked. Yeah. But she would not be taken seriously. Yeah. Naked. And she, because of who she is, wouldn't usually do right. that kind of thing. It, 
it just, it really bothered me. That wardrobe choice. And there was a point to it, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, they wrote that in. Somebody de- made that decision. Um, it, I didn't like it. It's just odd. I didn't like it. Not a fan. So after this, uh, Chase wonders why they're on the case as well. Everyone's just kind of wondering, why do we take this? Cameron says it's because Wilson asked House a favor, but Chase says he thinks House just wants to prove Foreman wrong, that there's actually something wrong with Victoria, that she's not faking it. Chase finds a large object, or I guess void almost, while he's (laughs) ultrasounding Victoria's ovaries, which he assumes is cancer. Uh, We jump to House hiding in a clinic room, where Wilson finds him. He's still pondering why Foreman hates homeless people so much and can't find any reason for it. House, that is. Wilson says he doesn't need to know everything about everyone, but House says it makes him happy, too. That's just who he is. He likes the puzzles. House reveals he's also looking into Wilson's reasoning for wanting to take her case, which Wilson does not appreciate. He, He's just not happy about it. He says that's kind of rude for a friend to do that. So we jump back to the team. Victoria has a solid non-cystic mass on her left ovary, 5 by 3 centimeters. It has central necrosis as well. And Wilson says she only has probably two to three months left to live. And they may as well put her back on the street because there's literally nothing they can do about it. Do you have anything on that stuff? I do. Also, um, I want to point out right now that we're going to talk about this and then it's just not going to come back up. Which... Don't ask about it. We're going to say it once and never again. Yep. We're just not going to talk about it later during treatment or anything either. Because, nope. oh, Wilson said she has two to three months to live. So, but we're going to treat her and she's going to be great. Um, Heads up, that's not going to happen. So, solid non-cystic mass. So, you said they see an object, right? They they see yeah. an, it. It's a mass. Yeah. And they do assume that it's cancerous. I assume they biopsy it and they, they look at stuff. But... Also, there's necrosis here. So, this is a mass of tissue uh, that doesn't contain cysts or liquid mm-hmm. areas. Okay? So, non-cystic. And a solid tumor can be benign or malignant. Right? So, benign meaning not cancer, malignant meaning cancer. Um, necrosis is kind of the, the mess left behind by dead cells. Okay? Uh or dead body tissue is a, a better way to look at it. So if you don't have enough blood flowing to the tissue, it's going to die eventually, yeah. right? And this could happen from different things. It could happen from something like radiation or chemicals or you know internal injury stuff going on. Uh, necrosis cannot be reversed. So once that tissue is dead, you can't alive it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also sometimes maybe when you hear about necrosis you also hear about gangrene Mm -hmm. okay so if a large area of tissue dies then that's called gangrene and you hear about gangrene spreading and that's because it it it's going to keep dying from the inside out essentially so they're saying central necrosis so the middle of this mass is already dying and it's going to die outward uh die outward (laughs) great (laughs) great um yeah anyways so that's kind of where we're at with that, and we're, we're going to talk a bit more about a few things with that in a second, I believe. But yeah. that, that's kind of a rundown. Okay. So House walks in and suggests it might not be cancer. 
which Chase says, oh, come on, you got to be joking. Because House has been doing this a lot. It's this, but it might not be. Right. House suggests it could be a tuberculoma, which she could have gotten from living on the streets in super unhealthy conditions. Wilson says a solid mass on her ovary is much more likely to be cancer than a tuberculoma. Mm -hmm. And House says that's true. And then he orders she be put on INH, rifampin, and streptomycin, which is the treatment for tuberculoma. Like, well, why are we going to do that if it's cancer? And House says, well, you tell me, what is the treatment for advanced ovarian cancer? Right. So they say, well, there's no treatment, so we'll go ahead and and do this. Just in case. Right. So a tuberculoma is the manifestation of tuberculosis, which we'll talk about in a second. And it's going to take a bunch of tubercles. Tubercles? Ah, yes. The... Greek hero, tubercles. <laughs> These are um, little, like, node legions. Le- legions, not legions. Tubers, perhaps? Uh, sure. Okay. And it's going to make them into, like, a lump, and it can mimic a tumor, right? Because it, it's still going to be a, a big mass. It's a tuber that looks like... Tuber tumor. A tumor. Yes. Uh, so tuberculosis is... A infectious disease. You've probably all heard of it. It's going to mostly affect your lungs. What? For some reason, I got it in my head. Oh, tuberculosis. Uh, probably never heard of it. <laughs> you might have heard Super of it. Super underground. Um, so the bacteria that causes tuberculosis, or TB, can be spread through droplets in the air with, like, coughs or sneezes, right? So if you've ever worked in some sort of medical facility like when i was working at the hospital we got tested i think every three months i want to say it's pretty often for tuberculosis and they actually put a little bubble under your skin um it's it's really weird it's kind of cool they just put like a little it (laughs) yeah and then they they watch it they pretty much watch it to see if it reacts if it doesn't if it just goes away then you're good you saw my bubbles don't give me that look i don't like you don't like it yeah it's really weird because they do it on your forearm it's really it's very strange Anyways, uh, and then INH. So this is, I'm going to, this is a weird word. Isoneazid. Isoneazid is the actual name of it. I see why they call it INH. It really rolls off the tongue better. It's used to treat and prevent TB. Mm-hmm. They also put her on uh, rifampin. Rifampin. Is that how they said it? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how I was going to say it, but then I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, also used, it's an antibiotic, also used to treat TB uh, and other infections, right? And then uh, streptomycin used to treat TB and other infections. It's also an antibiotic. So they're pretty mm-hmm. much just putting her on, you know what? All let's, the antibiotics. Let's pretend she has tuberculosis. We're just going to put her on everything for it because, yeah, if it's ovarian cancer. I will say, and you pointed out the fact that uh, when you were working at the hospital, they treated you or tested you for tb so often Mm -hmm. because it's highly infectious Mm -hmm. none of them are wearing proper ppe when they go in to give her antibiotics or anything like he's not wearing a a face mask he's got gloves on and that's about it if she's got tb he would be wearing more than Um, that that's a good point i i think maybe well one that's not what it is so honestly the writers probably just didn't think about it that far uh if I was trying to devil's advocate it, I would say, oh, they've already been around her. If she has it, they already 
were exposed to it, which so is bullshit. Like, they, they still should yeah. uh, be gloving and masking up. Uh, you're you're definitely right on that. The same thing comes up later when we get to another diagnosis. Very much that so. That is wrong. Yes. Um, so Foreman speaks with Victoria as he prepares her antibiotic treatment, or I guess a second round of antibiotic treatment. He says it should help if she has a tuberculoma, but when she says, but it's not a tuberculoma, right? He says, no, I don't think it is. I think it's cancer, essentially. He tells her he's sorry that he didn't believe her initially. And she says she's sorry because she lied to him as well. She did initially OD on insulin on purpose so she could have a nice place to sleep. It's a lie of the episode. It is one of them. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Uh, He asks her if she was ever married and she says no. Lie too. There we go. (laughs) Also lie. Right off the bat. The lie detector determined. He points out the comics imply otherwise that she probably was married, but she says, oh, it's just a comic. It's made up. That too was a lie, but it's <laughs> relation to the first lie. He then asks whether James is real from the comics or not, and she says he is, but when he asks her if he can help her find him, she suddenly complains about the light coming through her window and the lights in the room being far too bright. And she starts becoming sort of irrational and, again, Mm -hmm. violent. Foreman takes her temperature and finds out it's 105. Yes. Oh, shit. I feel like he would have noticed already, but go on. He tries to give her some water, but she spits it out and says, oh, it's poison. You gave me poison. Uh, He begins to give her a sedative and tells her the bad guys can't get her here. But she says Mr. Fury, who is a character in her comics that we've been seeing, who we assume is a villain, she says, he's not the bad guy. I am. Yes. Interesting. We're finding something out here. Uh, Foreman tells House it can't be tuberculoma due to her eye fever, so it must be cancer. I guess it's just tuberculosis doesn't present present with that high of a fever. You know, I really didn't look. It's it's a bacteria and it's an infectious yeah. disease i would assume it would present yeah. with a fever but i, I maybe guess maybe that far along yeah if, if a tuberculoma formed it wouldn't have a fever anymore i, I assume that that's what he meant or not that high or not that sudden though yeah however chase arrives with a biopsy results and says oh no it's a it's a tuberculoma which means the diagnosis is correct but for some reason the treatment that they are giving her is killing her Foreman isn't convinced the biopsy results are right, so Chase suggests uh, it could be a tuberculoma as well as something else. Wilson says whatever the else is, is melting her brain. House says poach would be a more accurate term for what's (laughs) happening. Chase thinks a fever that high must mean it's a bacterial infection. Wilson wonders if her bowel maybe got nicked during the biopsy, but Foreman says he didn't mess it up. He instead believes she could have a have become infected living on the streets kind of what house said earlier hey tuberculosis is a bacterial infection yeah Yeah. i just don't like it i there's a lot i have problems with in this episode yeah wilson points out however and he's at he he's got this true she didn't have a fever when she arrived right so this is recent cameron says the prozac that they that she was initially prescribed might have given her serotonin syndrome and Wilson says, no, well, a previous doctor put her on it and it didn't cause any issues then. And then Foreman says, well, actually, she probably never even took it. 
because yeah i mean and he's not did she ever actually fill it and take it yeah because that costs money and i even then you can sell prozac the likelihood that you're gonna get serotonin syndrome off of you know one month supply you'd have to take a lot of it right off the bat uh they keep arguing back and forth foreman and uh wilson do but House stops their argument and orders blood and urine cultures as well as a chest x-ray to try to look for some kind of infection, mm-hmm. I guess inflammation or something. He also takes her off of the Prozac that they put her on and puts her on bromocryptine in case she has serotonin syndrome. Chase also suggests they give Victoria an ice bath too so she can live long enough, long enough to get the test results. Tell us about this crap. Okay. So... I'm going to go a little bit far back to an insulin overdose because she does admit to admits it, yes. overdosing herself, right? So if you have too much insulin in your bloodstream, your cells are now going to absorb too much glucose, which is sugar, from your blood. And then it's also going to make your liver release less glucose, okay? Because now it's like, oh, I got all this glucose from the blood. I don't need to release as much. And this is going to make you have a low glucose le- glucose level. And put you in hypoglycemia. A, a low glen close level. Which we saw. Yes. Right? We were in a 38. So she does admit to doing that to herself. Uh-huh. Okay? So that was all That was all there. We talked about Prozac already. So serotonin syndrome, when you take a medication uh, that has serotonin in it, it can make you, like, accumulate extra serotonin it's it's basically going to hold on to it too tight okay Mm -hmm. so this can cause serotonin syndrome and you can get confusion and get agitated and maybe you are twitching and your heart's beating too fast and you're sweating like almost it makes me think of kind of too much caffeine Mm -hmm. you've got like all this going on at once right um so that's serotonin syndrome so what i'm a titch confused about So, bromocryptine is a dopamine promoter. It typically, I'm going to tell you what it's normally prescribed for, okay? So, it can be prescribed for Parkinson's, that's going to be the main one, uh, growth hormone overproduction, menstrual problems like not having a period, Mm -hmm. uh, pituitary tumors, it will actually stop your breast milk production, which normally isn't something that's prescribed for, but it, it will do that, okay? Um... It helps with controlling blood sugar. The thing that I'm really confused about is it can actually, because it's a dopamine uh, promoter, if you already had serotonin syndrome, it would exacerbate it because it would end up increasing your mm-hmm. serotonin levels. Uh, I... <laughs> So I went in like a rabbit hole on this because I was like, hold on, back this episode up a little bit, right? Because I, I yeah. was like, this is, is this why they gave it to her? This doesn't make sense. And literally from like National, no, National Health Institute, uh, Institute website yeah. specifically says this does not play a role in the treatment of serotonin syndrome and will actually actually exacerbate the problem with serotonin syndrome specifically. Mm-hmm. So I'm very confused. It's it's not only not going to treat it, but it's going to make it worse. Um, maybe they did that in reaction to this episode. <laughs> maybe. Um, my only thought is like, maybe they thought, oh, we'll take her off the Prozac and put her on this instead. 
as a substitute for the Prozac. Like as a, we don't want to. We don't want to keep giving her Prozac, but it wouldn't work that way. And House would know it wouldn't work that way. And also you would need time between them. Even if you were like, oh, we're going to switch you, right? They would have to wean her off the Prozac. To make sure her serotonin went back down Mm -hmm. to an acceptable level. And then put her on this. Um, So this one, this one really bothered me. Like I said, I have a lot of problems with this episode, but that's, that's definitely one of them. Really odd. So while prepping for the ice bath, Victoria seems to be extremely scared of the ice bath and acts like Foreman is a villain who's torturing her. Yes. Like, Why are you doing this to me? I'm sorry. Why are you doing this? I'm going to give you a hint. There's also water in that bath. Yes. Despite him explaining this is to save her life. So we jump back to House and his two med students, Julia and Chris who tell House their patient is a 17-year-old female who has abrasions and apparent trauma injury to her wrist. Julia, a Thai girl, says the patient's injury was from falling off a horse during the county fair, but Chris, low-cut girl, says the patient (laughs) told her she fell off the steps of her beach house and assumes Julia went to the wrong room, which gets House's attention. Yeah, House is like, well, that's... That's interesting. They're not both lying about weird wrist injuries. Yeah. yeah. He wonders why Cuddy would admit someone as a patient who literally only sprained her wrist. So I, I think he believes that House or Cuddy is like testing him. Yeah. Or very something. Mu- very kind much of so. Catching. Testing them, testing him. Yeah. Yeah. Catching his attention. Uh, he wouldn't, or Cuddy wouldn't admit one person would just the sprained wrist, much less two. So it's got to be the same person, which Julia and Chris confirm. And he says, patients lie pretty much all the time, but it's usually only one at a time, and they stick to it. Yeah. So he asks them, okay, how much does she weigh, and what color is her nose? And Chris says her weight shouldn't matter because it's a wrist injury. But House tells them it does matter, and uh, he gives them a medical book to say, here, look at this, see if you can find out why this matters. And he leaves them to it. So the chest x-ray and urine cultures that he ordered are negative for any signs of bacterial infection, but a lumbar puncture revealed elevated proteins and white blood cell count, which we've talked about before. Yep. They are still waiting on CSF cultures to brew, but believe based on what they have seen so far, it looks like meningitis. Yeah. Um, again, confused because lumbar punctures, you're looking at cerebral spinal fluid and then they're like, we're still waiting on the cultures Mm -hmm. from the, but I, I don't get it. Maybe they were just, he just meant like, oh, we're running more tests on it, but those aren't back yet, I guess. Look at something else. So, sorry, do you want me to talk about meningitis? Yes. I'm not going to go very far into it. Uh, we had a friend that was in the hospital that they diagnosed with meningitis and we were all like, oh, great. Bye. And every, well... (laughs) Because I don't think anyone knew how serious that was. But then I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't great. turned out it wasn't that. And he's still alive. Hey, Grady. Glad you're here, buddy. Hi, Gravy. (laughs) Hey, thanks for this mic that I'm speaking on, by the way. Yes, thank you. Thank you for picking it up. So meningitis is going to be inflammation of the membrane surrounding your brain and your spinal cord. Not good. All right. So the swelling is going to trigger... Uh, the symptoms and the kind of first ones you're going to see are going to be a headache, a fever, and a stiff neck. 
okay and this is why i always get paranoid when my neck is like really mm. stiff because yeah. meningitis is just burned into my head uh, but it's going to be caused by a viral infection but it could also be bacterial or fungal which is interesting it, it can pretty much be any of them can cause meningitis in different because ways because i'm supposing that means it's just because meningitis is another like catch-all term it's uh, yeah, just an infection of mm -hmm. this area you can have bacterial meningitis or viral yeah, or yeah, exactly fungal. okay you're learning yeah and i hope our listeners are too we hope you are even though we're not medical doctors don't listen to us All but right. please listen to us <laughs> pandora finally picked us up because we have enough downloads so yeah we're living the good life we made it finally gatorade all right next <laughs> uh house says they need to isolate her thank you even though again after they isolate her and they go with the meningitis stuff they're still not wearing ppe yep yep uh he wants to start her on ceftrioxone ceftrioxone yes and that she'll either get better or she'll die do you want me to tell you what ceftrioxone is yeah sure it's cephalosporin. Oh, well, I'm allergic to that, yeah. so I'm fucked. <laughs> you're, you're definitely allergic to that. Um, it's an antibiotic. And normally, the, the top kind of three things that it's used for are meningitis, pneumonia, and E. coli. I thought... It, Better not get meningitis. It was funny, because I was like, he's not going to know what that is, but he knows what it is, because yeah. he's, he's allergic to it. Whoops. Sulfa, cephalosporin. Yep. Are you allergic to something else? Um, medical adhesive. The oh, stuff well, that's on tape. But yeah. I don't think I'm allergic to any more drugs that's i mean you have that one and then i'm allergic to kind of the adhesive but also latex mm -hmm. we're kind of the same with that because it's like yeah it's fucking awful and we get hives but i mean it's not gonna kill us no i just get i guess if we swallowed it maybe our necks or would if i scratch my skin off because the hives are so well bad. you've but done them yup <laughs> so when they arrive in her room to start the isolation and treatment she's gone whoopsie it's weird though because foreman had just sedated her only half an hour ago and she literally just got up and walked out foreman sees that she drew a comic on her room wall and figures that she's going to look for james there's a picture of the lead character in it walking through the streets calling out james they had given her haldol right yes which we talked about 10 before milligrams of haldol as an antipsychotic and a sedative that shit doesn't play yeah. And I think it's really assuming that Foreman did give her the correct dosage, which I really do think he did. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because this isn't like, oh, it put her to sleep and she's sleepwalking. Nah, like your body ain't going to work, girl. So I'm, I'm really confused on yeah. how this happened. They, they do kind of bring it up a bit later, but we'll get into that when we get there. Wilson ends up arguing with Foreman about her just getting up and leaving they're sort of arguing in front of cuddy he says like you mentioned foreman must have messed up how much haldol he gave the patient since she wouldn't be moving at all much less walking with 10 milligrams in her system cuddy says you know what it doesn't matter because if she's got bacterial meningitis she's out there she is highly contagious and this could result in an outbreak which would leave the hospital liable Hell yeah so we got to find her quick Foreman himself is going to get up and look for her, and he demonstrates that he's actually been reading her comics because she talks about uh, a specific place. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, I have it written down somewhere. Uh, God damn it. Now I can't think of it. It starts with an S. Yeah. Sloan. 
There we go. Like Thank you. Sloan Place or something like that. And he says, well, that's where they found her when they mm-hmm. initially brought her in. So maybe she went there. But Cuddy says he should have the police go check for her instead. Because that's what police do. Do what legal... doctors do. Make a phone call. Yeah. Have the police do what they do. What they do. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. Yep. So, Julia, the med student, tells House maybe her patient has, I think it's Kachirishi's disease? Kachirishi. Kachirishi. Disease, which House wonders if she's just throwing something out there, or does she really think Because <laughs> she's, she's literally going in alphabetical order. She's like, well, the kidney problems could have caused weight loss, and he's like, oh, God, no. that's yeah. not, It's not that. So that is also known as sponge kidney, and it's a birth defect. It's pronounced Christina Ritchie. Okay. <laughs> Oh, God bless her as Lizzie Borden. Uh, I I really... Okay, I learned it as Kashi Ricky. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. I could... Uh, Texas, I'm y'all. just going to call it Christina Ritchie disease from Y'all going to learn your medical verbs in Texas. Herp derp. Anyways, it's, it's not that. It ain't that. So... The med student, Chris, notices House is wearing a bird pin. And she's like, why are you wearing a bird pin? He says, oh, it brings out my eyes. So <laughs> but he's he, wearing it for a reason. Yes. He goes in and talks to the patient, Jody, who hurt her wrist. And um, he asks her how she hurt her wrist. And she says, oh, well, I was riding a Ferris wheel and I got attacked by a seagull. And I tried to swat it away, but I ended up hitting the Ferris wheel and hurt my wrist. So, a third where, story. Where did the Ferris wheel come from? He's holding a binder with a Ferris wheel on the front Is of he? it. Is he? Okay, I yes. didn't notice that. And so, I was, I just knew the bird pen, obviously. I was like, where the fuck did a Ferris wheel come yeah. from? <laughs> gotcha. That makes more sense. So, Julia wonders if Jody's just literally making all of this up. And House says, no, she really did hurt her wrist. But she's lying about how it happened. And Jody's right. like, I'm not, not on lying. purpose, though. Yeah. yeah. And he says, you don't know that you're lying um, because you don't actually remember how it happened. So they step out to discuss it. And House says she has Korsakoff syndrome. Yeah. And because she has no memory to explain what happened, her brain is using clues that she sees to fill in the gaps. Yes. Uh, she saw a horse on Julia's shirt. I think she's wearing like a polo shirt. Mm-hmm, right. So she says she fell off Ralph a horse. Lauren. Ralph Lauren. Is that? Yeah, it's polo. Okay. Uh, she saw a surf scene on Chris's clipboard. And so she said she fell at her beach house. Yeah. Uh, he tells the students that should always treat every patient like they have coarse cuffs since they all lie anyways. And he orders a thiamine treatment for her as well as suggesting that she goes and eat some food. Yes. Okay, this is my shit, because we're talking about nutrition, and Ooh. that's what I originally went to college for, because I did that college education. All right, so this is a memory disorder, a chronic one, and it is caused by a very severe deficiency of thiamine, which is B1, all mm. right? So Korsakoff syndrome is most of the time caused by alcohol abuse, not always, okay, but most of the time. Which we'll get to in a second. So, this is a type of dementia, which we've mentioned before, is not always Alzheimer's dementia like we think of it. Um, it's non-progressive, okay? So, it's not going to, like, keep getting worse. Uh, it's also known as, like, a form of alcohol-related brain damage because it's mostly from that, right? Um, but, so, 
it can also come from malnutrition. Okay. So he okay. said, is she underweight or does she have a red nose? Yes. Right. So underweight obviously would be malnutrition. The red nose would be, um, I didn't write it down. Rhinophema? I think that's it. There's a helicopter going over her house right now. Oh, I think shit. It's, 5-0. I think it's rhinophema. Okay. Um, which is a type of rosacea, which is where the red nose comes from. And you've probably seen maybe some older men with, like, inflamed and red noses. Like Santa Claus. <laughs> no, like Rudolph. Just kidding. Um, I thought he was asking before. Is like, why are you asking if she's basically a, a skinny Rudolph? Like, <laughs> what um but do you know what i'm talking about kind of that yeah the, they have a more of a bulbous like very red nose okay so it was always assumed that that was from alcohol mm-hmm. abuse because it will alcohol abuse will enlarge blood vessels in your face and specifically it'll go to your nose so that's where that comes from um, i can't drink this it'll go straight to my nose yes okay. <laughs> anyways so thiamine deficiency if you're just looking at regular deficiency not super severe like this is called berry berry yeah, it's one of my favorites because it's literally called Berry Berry. Um, so when um, – normally you're going to get Berry Berry, okay? But if it goes, like, to an extreme, you're going to get Wernicke's encephalopathy and Korsakoff syndrome. So then you end up with Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome. And it's brain damage from an extreme thiamine deficiency. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And it it's either going to be from – malnutrition or or extreme alcohol okay which she's 17 yeah she's only 17 she is very thin i would assume i mean maybe another content warning maybe she's dealing with an eating disorder an eating disorder yeah she's she's fairly young mine was in full swing by that point yeah definitely that that seems like a an age i seriously because she doesn't really present with the red nose so yeah Based on that, I assume she it's not a drinking problem. That that's what they'd be going for. Yeah. Right. So. so yeah, there's that. Sorry for going on a little tangent. That's fine. I, that's I normally one. don't talk a lot about uh, cleaning patients, but I love nutrition. So There it is. So, uh, Victoria is found and brought in by paramedics. Foreman asks if they got her temp, but they said, we didn't check for that since we're more worried about her heart blowing up. Her rhythm, they say, is regular, but at 150 beats per minute. That's not, uh, that's not good. Don't get me wrong. But like, I wouldn't be worried about her heart blowing up. I don't. I suppose the, the thing they're probably worried about. The fact that she's unconscious. Yes. And it's still beating that fast means something's an issue. If if she's awake and it hits 200. Turns out we know what the issue is. We'll get there in a second. I'm so excited. The officer who shows up with the EMT says he found her at Battlefield State Park lying on the grass. Lying on the grass. Now we get into some fun stuff. Foreman asks if Victoria is narrow complex, which they confirm. The, uh, sorry, I got to jump around. Foreman identifies the heart issue as supraventricular tachycardia and mm-hmm. pushes one milligram of adenosine, which yes. works to bring her heart rate back down. What the fuck is all that? Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a couple things first. An arrhythmia. Mm-hmm. is a problem with the rhythm or the rate of the heartbeat, okay. right? So that term's going to come up in a second. Uh, adenosine is the normal drug used for a stable narrow complex SVT, which is supraventricular tachycardia, and it's going to slow it down. Okay. Okay. So now, <laughs> try to follow. I 
I'm trying to put this in the most simplistic of terms, but I'm not good at that, especially without a diagram. So mm, let's start with your QRS. Okay, so you have different waves. Let's say we're looking at a heart rate monitor, mm -hmm. okay, like we see in a million episodes. And you've got your main spike there, and you've got a bunch of other stuff. You have your Q, your R, and your S waves. The QRS is all those together, okay? We're going to focus on our main spike there. The one going up. Yes. Above the line. Okay. Yes, our main big spike. Uh, so we're looking at our QRS and we're going to look at our band. So with a narrow complex, it's going to be a heart rate of more than 100 beats per minute, which we already know we're at. And it's going to be a QRS shorter than 120. So if we're looking at kind of the squares that that heart rate monitor is broken into, it's going to take up less than three of them. Okay. Okay. Um, the the three is 120, so it's going to be smaller than that. Okay. Because you have your narrow and your wide. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're looking at a narrow one. You've got that really narrow angle with that main stripe, uh, main uh, spike. Words are hard. So that's going to show us that it's super ventricular, and that's going to point us to where the problem is because that means that it's originating above your ventricles. It's okay, super. so like on the top side of the heart. Right, Okay. exactly. Uh, so with that uh, paroxysmal supraventricular tachycardia, which is what we're looking at here, I'm throwing a lot of words at you, we have an abnormally fast heartbeat. We know that it's narrow, so we know where it's coming from. We know it's supra, um, and that is a broad term. Okay, so we used a bunch of little terms to get to a broad term, but now we know where the problem's coming from. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. So it's not just, hey, your heart's beating really fast. We know where in the heart the problem is. Okay. So it's going to narrow it down a little bit. And so a part of that, too, I think... Um, so it tells he... them to use the uh, adenosine. Okay. Because, like, hey, this is the type we have. This is the drug we need to use. To calm that part exactly. down. Okay. And he points out as well that her rhythm is regular, but at 150. So is that him identifying the type of arrhythmia? That it's not that the heart right. rate is irregular. It's yes. a regular heartbeat. It's just super fast. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that all makes sense. Okay. So the it's team... It's really hard without like pointing at a diagram of yeah. the heart and like a heart monitor. And Let us teach you. Just look it up. this board. <laughs> The team wonders what would push her heart rate to 150. Foreman thinks they may be wrong about meningitis and suggests it could be structural heart disease. But her heart rate did drop when they put uh, adenosine in her, so it's not that. Yes. House still thinks it's meningitis, and Foreman says since her treatment was delayed due to her going missing right when they were going to start it, she's got very little chance of survival, but House says go ahead and start it anyways. He then goes and speaks to the police officer who found Victoria, who insists he found her lying on the grass. Laying on the grass. He believes the officer is lying and tries a couple different ways to get him to tell the truth, and he keeps insisting, oh, I found her lying on the grass. House notices that the officer has a taser, and he ends up offering the officer what I found to be an obviously fake Benjamin $100 bill to tell the truth. Uh... And it seems to work because he goes to Foreman later and says, okay, well, heart rate problem is unrelated to whatever's wrong with her. She got tased. Uh, I did want to point out here as well, I found out that standard police 
police issued tasers. <laughs> My notes autocorrected it to standard police issued taters. <laughs> <laughs> this is why <laughs> standard police issued freeze, son. He just whips out a potato. The taters have turned. <laughs> uh, it fires a pin that stays in whoever it's is hit by it, and that pin also has a serial number in it because it will uh, track who the gun was assigned to when they fired it. Can it track how often it was fired or like when it was fired? Do you know? I'm not sure if it, it's got that much information. Just yeah, that would be interesting, but. There's no reason for the officer to lie to House Because I was also thinking about, like, body cams. Were those yeah. a thing or not? Um, right. So, again, you don't want to hear us talk about a cab. Tune out now. Um, so the cop continuously lies to a doctor mm-hmm. in a hospital treating a patient that they just brought in. A few things here. That officer obviously called an ambulance. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he cared enough at some point to bother calling an ambulance instead of leaving her there. Yeah. How did he find her in the first place? What was she doing that made him tase her? What was she combative? Was she still in this delusion? Was she actually at Battlefield Park? I'm starting to wonder that now. Right. Um, Very fucking annoyed. This officer knows that now she has a heart problem. Mm-hmm. Like, he's standing here during this whole conversation. He knows that her... The the guy says, like, oh, more worried about her heart not exploding. Okay? He heard that. He was standing right there. So the fact that he doesn't just come out and say, I had to tase her. Fuck it. Don't give me details. Don't say I just tased her for the fun of it or whatever happened. Yeah. Just say, I had to tase her. Not once. But twice. Twice, yeah. as we're about to find out. Um... This has huge medical relevance. Re- yeah. Revelant. Relevance. relevance. Yeah, I'm good. Revelance. <laughs> Revenant. Um, what the fuck, my dude? I mean, and at this point in time, I don't think body cams were really a thing. But again, with the way tasers work and being able to track, track not... who fired them, the truth would have come out. Like, it's not like he can hide the fact that he used his taser. It's not illegal for him to tase somebody. Interesting. I oh. found out. Tasers are mostly illegal in New Jersey, and cops are only assigned them when they put in a formal request, and they also have to, like, put in a request to use them, like, not just be assigned them, but use them. So they have to, like, call in, like, I, hey, I have, like, I have to sign it. It's not just a standard issue. I have to sign out this taser because I'm going to do something specific, and I have to report that I, I used it. That definitely makes me wonder what part of town he was in, what part of town he found her in. Did he say, hey, I want to sign this out because I'm going to go bust some homeless people doing drugs? Yeah. Like, where was she actually? So maybe that's why he was hiding it. Still not cool. And it's probably why it's illegal because it can kill you. It's yeah. not outside it, it, the norm. It can definitely be fatal. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, he so he hit her in the thigh the first, the first shot. time. Yeah. Um, the reason we find out the reason that he shot her twice is because he hit her in the thigh the first time and she didn't react to it. She just kept running. Yes. And so he hit her again. Um, I, it's interesting to say that's not how tasers work. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. It's not about pain. It's about causing your muscles to contract right. so you can't move. I, I was thinking about that. I was going to bring it up also. Um, because I'm not sure. So they said that that part's dead. 
and we're we're gonna get into that in a second that part of her thigh is is deadened but not all of her is right so it's this just is a gonna, part of it this yeah. is gonna hit you and then it's gonna go throughout your nervous system so it's weird that they were like oh she felt no pain she didn't feel it at all that's, I, I would assume that unless there's a really big dead space that is just 100% cut off and yeah. it would have to hit her in the exact right spot. Yeah. I'm assuming that there's just branches or something on her thigh that maybe the central branch that goes down to her toes because they, they, they give her a prick even stabbing into her with a needle on her thigh and she doesn't feel it, but right. they like flick her toe and she reacts. Yeah. So I'm assuming that her peripheral nervous system uh, in this part in particular, starting to shut down, but it's not everywhere, which did basically... So it wasn't enough to stop her. Maybe yeah. she felt it. Maybe she was like, oh, shit, but yeah. not enough to take her to the ground. Yeah, and uh, Foreman says, okay, maybe this is from her diabetes. Maybe this is neuropathy. But, but that would be in her feet, not Exactly. Her. That starts at the places most... Um... Oh, fuck. Extraneous? No. What you got, buddy? It'll come to I you. I can't. Oh, man. Maybe it'll come to me later. I don't know what word you want, so Just, I can't. I think it starts with an A, but the spots that are furthest away from your trunk. Okay. Your your fingers, yeah, your, your toes. And your, it usually yeah. starts there and works its way up. So the fact that it's in her thigh but not her feet, it's not related to her diabetes. Um, Foreman rules out alcohol or entrapment syndrome. Mm-hmm. And says they don't have time to chase down each sensory neuropathy at this point. Foreman, or excuse me, House takes a cheek swab and pricks Foreman where Victoria bit him, and he doesn't feel it. So House seems to have a suspicion about what it is. What do you have about that stuff? Entrapment syndrome. Um, I really didn't go into it. Mm-hmm. Basically, so very simply put. This is not the same as locked-in syndrome, which I wanted to say because you had brought that up. Exactly, Locked-in yeah. syndrome's fucking terrifying, and I think we actually talk about it in a later episode. Um, it's one of my biggest fears, honestly. <laughs> but entrapment syndrome is just almost like a pinched nerve, mm-hmm. uh, but a little more extreme. A lot more extreme. But it's it's compression on some nerves. But Pressure. it's not that. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> that's about it on that one. So, House is running a test on uh, the swab that he took. He says, okay, we have localized numbness, light sensitivity, disorientation, paranoia, ineffectiveness of sedatives, which is the Haldol thing that you brought up earlier, mm-hmm. and hydrophobia, or fear of water, point mm-hmm. to one thing, rabies. While it is rare... That's usually due to the fact that normal people who have money, if they get bitten by a wild animal, they go get a shot right then. They, yep. they get it taken care of and they're fine. But homeless people don't have that luxury. So in this, they confirm it with a swab test. That's not how that shit works. You can't confirm rabies uh, until a patient is dead. It has to be done post-mortem with a brain biopsy. So they there, can only really diagnose it in testing. But yeah. by this point there, I don't think there was. Yeah. They can only really, at least at this point, diagnose it by going off the symptoms as well as assumptions. They yeah, did they're find going bats. off exclusion yeah. as well as like the symptoms. Yeah. They found bats in her, uh, where she sleeps. So mm-hmm. all of that combined, they're going with it's rabies. Yep. Uh, there is no treatment for rabies. Nope. 
and she will die at this point. And based on where her symptoms are at, she's probably only got a couple days, yep. if that. Foreman himself needs a shot ASAP due to his bite wound, or he could die as well. Sure could. I found out rabies needs to be treated under 24 hours after an yeah, initial I'm gonna, bite. I'm going to talk about it. Okay. And they also say if you experience any symptoms of it, it's already too late for you. Yep. Whoops. Sure. Um, let's take a quick break before we get into this, just because I have a lot to talk about and I need to uh, get my life together. Okay. <laughs> Not a problem. We'll be right uh, back. Gatorade. I think I got my life together. We're about nice. to find out. Are you ready for me to talk about rabies? Let's do it. Okay. So, rabies. We've all heard of it. If we... <laughs> what was the you've watched, you've watched The Office, so you know about rabies <laughs> yes. and the run for rabies. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm fast. Very fast. So, if you have a dog, they have a rabies tag, hopefully. If they don't, for the love of fuck, go get your dog vaccinated. Um... Don't be one of those anti-vaxxer pet parents. When you get, or when when something gets bit, right, by something with rabies, the virus is going to have to go into that wound, through the body, and all the way to the brain before it causes symptoms, even though it's already in your body, okay? This incubation period could be days to years. like wow. up, Like up to six years. Okay. That's pretty extreme, but it, it can take a while. Once you have symptoms, you fuck. It's fatal. Yeah. Because uh, that's an indication. times out of ten. Okay. Um, it's going to probably start with some flu-like symptoms, and then maybe you'll get some like itching where you have the bite, and then you're going to start getting um just brain dysfunction and anxiety and agitation and confusion, all these things that we're seeing, right? As it keeps progressing, we're going to see delirium, uh, hallucinations, hydrophobia, which is that fear of water that we talked about a little bit, and insomnia. So the this is the acute period, mm-hmm. all right, where you're where you're having these severe symptoms. This is probably going to end two to ten days, or sorry, last two to ten days, and then end. It's going to end in death. Yeah. Uh, there's been one human known to survive this who was it it was about a 17 year old i think in wisconsin a few years ago so she had already had uh immunizations for it okay and then we're gonna talk about the experimental treatment that foreman kind of brings up but it's it that's kind of where it started almost well it kind of started before anyways okay so like i said once you have symptoms you're dead Mm -hmm. and any treatment is just going to be to try to make you comfortable. To date, and this was as of 2019 or 2020, uh, there have been less than 20 cases of human survival from rabies. Period. <laughs> this isn't like, oh, in the U.S. or like, oh, in the past five years. No, no. <laughs> like, maybe 20 people have survived. Ever. Um, yeah. So any mammal, any mammal, any mammal can have rabies and human to human transmission is going to be through bites or saliva. Mm -hmm. But as of 2020, the World Health Organization has zero confirmed cases of human to human transmission. 
So this is just a theory. This hasn't ever actually happened. So um, this doesn't mean, so Foreman is bitten. Yeah. Bit, bit, bite, bited. Had, had bitten. But he doesn't end up having rabies because he gets vaccinated. Yeah. Okay, so that's not counting towards this. Like, that could happen. But Mm -hmm. as far as it actually being passed on, there hasn't been any. So here's kind of what happens. Something is bitten by a rabid animal. That virus from the infected saliva goes into the wound. And then the virus is going to go to the nerves, like through the nerves, Mm -hmm. into your spinal cord and your brain. That's the part that can last a very long time. Yeah. The normal amount of time is like three to 12 weeks from what I found is kind of the the average. Okay. Okay. During this time, you got no symptoms. Yeah. Which is interesting because you're just chilling with rabies. So once it gets to the brain, however, <laughs> the virus is going to multiply like fucking crazy and end up in the salivary glands. This is when you start showing signs of disease. Now it's in your salivary glands, which mm-hmm. is why it's transmitted by bites. Okay. Okay. And then within about seven days average for animals not humans animals you're dead so it only has seven days to like infect Mm -hmm. but it can infect a lot in those seven days right yeah especially if we're talking about bats they bite a lot of things freaking bats it's freaking bats so for this week's horror corner this is where werewolves come from interesting yeah it's It's just the idea like so there's stories going really far back, right, of um, mostly men because, God forbid, a woman do anything. Uh, <laughs> God forbid a woman be a werewolf. But going kind of crazy, okay? Mm-hmm. So they'll go crazy and say they mutilate their wife or they, they mutilate other people and they're screaming and howling and scratching at themselves and maybe foaming at the mouth and, like, doing all After these things. After being bitten by a wolf And then something. they'll find out, oh, he was hunting and he got bit. By a dog. Yeah. Or by, you know, because dogs weren't vaccinated back then. Coyotes are a big one, right? Um, Any mammal can be, can have rabies. So then they'll find out, oh, he got bit by something. But that wouldn't happen for a long time, right? And then it just makes its way into folklore. Um, Also, the light sensitivity Mm -hmm. is going to come into that. Yeah. You never really hear about werewolves playing in water. Yeah. That's true. Right? So this is where werewolves come from. And I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, there's a reason there's no bears, and that's because bears get the fucking job done. You're not going to survive that. Yeah. I did find out something, too, about mm-hmm. rabies. Um, rabies, before it was called rabies, was called hydrophobia. Yes. But it's not because they are afraid of water. It's because... Um, they can't drink water. Late stages, you have super difficult time drinking yes. water. It's super painful. And it's, it's kind of like people who have ulcers don't want to eat food. Even if they're mm-hmm. super hungry, you don't want to drink water. And even the thought of it can cause painful spasms. Yes. And it can cause you to gag yeah. um, and try to like gasp for air, which can cause you to choke if you are currently drinking water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is a thing. Um, it does end up as hydrophobia in the real sense of, so we saw her going into the ice bath. Yes. And she was terrified of the water. But before that, we saw her forming giving her water and she didn't and like she that. she couldn't do it she couldn't drink yeah. it she couldn't swallow it um also like the sensitivity to the light i i will say they did a good job this time 
with showing the manifestation of these symptoms. Yeah. They actually did a pretty accurate job. I think the only thing they didn't show, which works because it would have given it away, is that because rabies usually ends up in the salivary glands, it causes people or animals, whatever, to oversalivate, mm-hmm. which foams. Yeah, it yes. makes them foam at the mouth. So they right. didn't show that. That's I was actually going to bring that up. The, yeah. the salivary glands are the reason that probably when you think of like a rabid dog, they're mm-hmm. foaming at the mouth and drooling and that's why. It's because they're overactive at that point. I did think it was interesting. So I watched this with a roommate again, which I normally do, because um, he kind of helps me with I know too much medical shit. So sometimes yeah. I'm like, like banana bag. I was like, oh yeah, banana bag. And he's like, what the fuck's a banana bag? Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, he guessed what it was. And I was like, did I tell you what it was going to be? He was like, no, I just knew. I, I was like, oh, that's kind of impressive. How'd you know? And he said, oh, well, hydrophobia. And he like, cause I guess it comes up in, in stuff occasionally. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he okay. knew what it was going to be. So I was, I was like, oh, okay. I guess that one gave it away. There he goes. Oh, I do want to point out real quick. Um, we didn't figure this out till 36 minutes in, which the last couple's episodes, we have figured out the diagnosis very early. Yeah. And this is, this is like, I think one of the reasons being that for this one in particular, once they land on the answer, this is also the first time that an adult patient dies yes in the, the, well, the haven't gotten there series. yet so i don't want to give it away yeah well i mean they've said there's nothing well, we could do true. Um, um i do oh shit i was gonna say something poetic oh boy i lost it i don't know it'll come back to me I'm sure. okay keep going uh foreman gets his treatment which is uh for at that time they inject a large needle directly into your abdomen Found out that's not how they do it anymore. You get one shot in the ass and a bunch in your upper arm. Yep. Uh, since he knows Victoria is going to die, he wonders what he should tell her. Uh, he says, should I tell her there's some experimental treatment out there? Should I tell her that it's going to be okay or whatever? Or should I just tell her that she's going to die? And Wilson says, I mean, you got to tell her the truth. And so Foreman says he's going to go look for James so that she doesn't have to die alone, and Wilson decides to go with him. They arrive at the Sloan Street house, where the rave took place earlier, and looking at Victoria's drawings in her comics, they realize, okay, this is this is something she's drawn before. She's familiar with this place. They end up finding a closet that has been locked, and inside that, they find a small box that's got photos of Victoria and her family inside of it, as well as a bunch of different documents and things. Also, it's them in this house. Yes. Which I thought was a nice touch, I guess. So, we find out she was married and had a son whose name was James. Her husband's name was Paul Furia, a.k.a. Mr. Fury, who she's been talking about through the episode, who they assumed was a villain in it because... He was someone who was trying to hunt down her character. And so they, oh, he's he's a villain. Well, we find out her character is actually the villain in her mind. They also find some articles and various documents inside that show her husband and son died in a car accident where she was driving. This is why she broke her arm and had the pin inserted. This happened about two years ago. Yes. So we also find out, based on those pictures, that this abandoned rave house was actually her home with her family right 
which she left behind after having a mental breakdown due to, in her mind, being the reason for her family's death. Right. So, Foreman goes to visit Victoria as she dies, and she's so far gone that she doesn't recognize who he is. And so he says, it's me, Paul. He pretends to be her husband and tells her that he forgives her what happened for what happened. It's okay. And he's he's with her and she is relieved and it's implied that she dies with some peace. And then the final scene is House follows Wilson to a place where homeless people seem to be hanging out. Wilson seems a bit miffed at the fact that House is again invading his sort of personal life house says that i've he's met wilson's parents and his brother so he's not sure why wilson has this particular feeling about homeless people but wilson reveals he's actually got two brothers but never mentioned the second one because he felt he wasn't relevant since he wasn't in his life anymore we can infer based on what's going on that he's homeless but at the moment we don't know why he's homeless the spot where they are at currently is the last place he saw his brother nine years ago, and he doesn't know if his brother's still alive. And that's note the episode ends on. Wow. Wonderful. Cheery. Very nice. So I want to bring up really quick before I get into um, like the treatment and the experimental treatment, just so I don't forget. When I think when you first watch this episode, maybe it's normal to... Nine years ago, don't know where Wilson was, right? But we can probably assume that he, like, wasn't bad off. Mm -hmm. And I think there might be some people that say, like, oh, well, why did he let this other brother be homeless? So Elk and I did some volunteer work, um, which hopefully Corona will end at some point and we can get back to it. But we did some volunteer work with the homeless community and with some really great places here where we live. But one of the main guys that helps with it His daughter is homeless and has been for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talked a lot with him about about that because obviously he would take her in in a minute. And she lives in the same town as us and as him. But we talked a lot with him about, about why he can't help her more and why he can't put a roof over her head Mm -hmm. um, because he's tried in the past. Right. But he had, I, I don't want to like quote him on stuff, but he had a lot of insight about um, helping her. And it's it's almost like an addict in a way. You can't help people that don't want help. Mm-hmm. And he's tried to help her in the past and she refused it. And, you know, he had an apartment for her and she wouldn't live there. I mean, she refused it. She She wouldn't do it. So I just want to throw that out there before like anybody gets caught up on that maybe yeah obviously every situation is different but that is a very real thing where some people can't take that help and they get caught up in that lifestyle whether it is drugs or um other addictions or just that freedom of being your own person not taking money or charity from other people whether it's family or others i was gonna say it's there is a sense of freedom of not just not taking stuff or whatever, but being unburdened by a house or the bills to pay for a house or needing to go to work a job in order to pay this, you know, sort of jumping out of the rat race. There's a lot of things you lose in that, but some people would prefer to lose that stuff than 
to be secure. And I guess. Foreman talks at the beginning is like, oh, homeless people are just, you know, on drugs or crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely not always the case. And we have a lot of veterans that are homeless um, for various reasons. And homelessness is a huge problem in the small city that we live in um, and in America in general mm-hmm. and uh, in other parts of the world, too. So we'll talk about that a little bit. I've yeah. got thoughts. OK, so let's talk about treatment real quick. Uh, the treatment is post-exposure prophylaxis, PEP, and this is going to, I, well, first of all, you can't treat rabies um, mm-hmm. once it's at a certain stage, right? But we're talking early stage, so you get bit, and then you're like, oh, shit, got to go get this. Basically throwing up a roadblock before it hits yes. your brain. So this is going to be a dose of human rabies immune globulin. Immunoglobulin. Immune goblin. Immune globulin. I said it right. Is it immune globulin or immunoglobulin? It's an immune globulin. Immunoglobulin. I don't know. I don't know words. I'm not a medical doctor. So, IVIG? Sponsor yeah, us, We've Gatorade. talked about that. It's the human rabies one. Intravenous immunogatorade. <laughs> yes. Sponsor us. And you're going to get a rabies vaccine. So hopefully this is given on the day that you get bit. Um, and then you're going to get a dose of that vaccine on days like 3, 7, and 14. Okay. Okay, so Foreman's getting his a little late, his first one, but hopefully it's like not to his brain yet. After yeah, being bit. but he's not showing any symptoms yet, so we should be good. Mm-hmm. Okay, aside from the numbness, but that could just be from the fact that he was bitten and maybe it's inflamed. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So let's talk about cost a bit. I don't always get to co- talk about cost of treatments because sometimes it's just not attainable, and sometimes there's no yeah. treatments. Which again, this isn't necessarily treatment, but you know what I'm saying. So the CDC says it cost, I love that this estimate's so big, and I'm talking just for the medicine, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about the trip to the ER or the trip to your doctor and the follow-up visits. I'm talking that initial medicine is going to be between $3,000 and $7,000. Oof. That's the cost to the hospital. (laughs) Okay. So that first dose is probably going to cost you about Mm $14,000, and then you're going to have three more follow-up visits. Don't get fucking rabies because you're going to get fucked, apparently. Oh, yeah, apparently. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, Screw you and your need to live. So let's talk about that experimental treatment because mm-hmm. you thought that... I thought that uh, Foreman's comment about what we tell her, there's some experimental treatment. I thought that was him just saying... Lie to her and say yeah, there's something we can try. and give her false hope because right. I don't want to do that. No, there is actually an experimental treatment, Okay, which I knew about, and I thought they brought it up in the episode, and then you were like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, all right. Milwaukee Protocol is what it's called. So, this was developed by a dude, and oh. it's a treatment, quote, used in humans that are affected, infected with rabies. So, what you're going to do, I actually read through this entire protocol. It's about 20 pages. And it is interesting. But you're going to put them in a coma. That's how we're going to start. We're not going to give them the normal um, IGs mm-hmm. and, and vaccine. Okay, we're just going to put them in a coma instead. <laughs> and then we're going to give them antiviral drugs, probably the ones that, like, work on everything. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to give them ketamine and <laughs> amethadine. <laughs> Oh, shit. I don't want to be in a coma if you're going to give me ketamine. <laughs> Fuck. Um, so this was kind of started in 2003 with that girl in Wisconsin. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, so hers, I think, was 2003. And so this was like right before this 
episode got filmed in there. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't work. It, air quotes, worked on that girl, but she had already had rabies vaccines. Mm-hmm. So and then she they've tried to they've tried to like replicate it. it since then using that as the basis, and it it doesn't work. So ketamine is a medication that's used for like maintaining anesthesia. Fucking partying, bro. Yes. yes. Okay, so let me. <laughs> in medical fields, <laughs> it's used with anesthesia. It makes you dissociate. Okay. Essentially. Um, so it puts you in a trance like state and gives you uh, relief from pain as well as some amnesia. I'm not saying that you should party on it, but it's going to, like, you know, you mix it with some. It's, uh, you mix a little of this, you mix a little of that. You got that pain-free dissociative state. Just sounds like shrooms to me. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, and then the amid, amid, um, mm. amatidine. Yeah. That's how I'd we'll say it. Uh, is just a, um, sorry, a- another antibiotic that okay. they're going to use with it. So they put you in a coma, and then they give you ketamine, and then they're going to give you a fuck ton of antibiotics. Fun. And hope that it all hits right. God, I hope so. And that's Imagine the Milwaukee what kind of protocol. Freaking dreams you'd have while you're but in the coma. But at least if you die from the rabies while you're in the coma, you probably don't feel it. Yeah. That there you go. We're all good. Yeah. So that's all I have medically. Okay. Yeah, that's all I got let's, medically. Let's talk about some more stuff. Uh, character stuff. Pretty much nothing happens with House Cameron or Chase this week. There's not really any advancement of their character stuff i I mean we do see cameron is kind of getting used to and appreciating house's darker humor Mm -hmm. uh she she kind of smirks at one point whenever chase says oh you've got to be kidding me when house comes in and says it might not be cancer yeah house says uh it's hard not to joke i mean cancer is super funny and cameron smirks at it instead of it's like oh come on like she's she actually laughs at it so i'd say that's the only advancement for her she's appreciating house a little bit more uh, the real character development here is with Wilson and Foreman. This is their episode. Find out Wilson's got a brother who's homeless. We don't know why at the moment, but he does seem to have developed some guilt over the fact that he hasn't had contact with him in so long. And similarly, we find out Foreman's parents are still together, according to him, and have been for 40 years. Uh, he's got an issue with homeless people, but in this episode we don't find out why and what makes him not like them so much but he does seem to get past it by the end because he sort of becomes victoria's biggest champion trying to help her out right uh really nothing with cuddy either so let's talk about stuff i've got two things in particular great first one is homelessness yes so this episode deals a lot with people's assumptions about the homeless Mm -hmm. they immediately assume their condition is due to drug use in the episode which they rule out foreman also assumes she's faking her symptoms to get a place to sleep and to get some food i wanted to say how fucking sad is it in the world we live in that you have to fake a deadly illness just to get a place to sleep and a meal don't like that that's it's annoying to recognize that we look down on homelessness as like this personal individual issue of choice and refuse to consider any circumstances outside a person's control like 
you're homeless because you decided to use drugs. You you decided not to keep a job. Well, and I think especially right now, which obviously we're in the future from this episode, mm-hmm. um, we're in the middle of a panoramic. And <laughs> um, yeah. there are a ton of people that are unemployed and either already evicted or only not evicted because of measures put in place. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think it's really showing a lot of, you know, how, how far are any of us from One this situation? From annihilation. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I mean, I can't imagine the survivor's guilt that she has. Yeah. Like from, from her situation. Um, and yeah, like it was, you know, it was a big, nice house and mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's no one there and it, it I mean, there's her personal stuff. There's the fact that her son was pretty young, so she may not have had a job. It may have been her husband yeah. that was working, or her job may have been part-time. I mean, it... Like, there's a lot of things going there that even if she had been able to overcome her mental health issue of or her depression from right. what had happened and PTSD and all of that, she may not have been able to recover enough to cover everything that happens yeah. i mean she may have still lost the house she may have still not been able to afford i mean she lives in new jersey she may not have been able to afford an apartment right on what she knew how to do well and i also wanted to bring up i met you earlier um when she is at that party or when she's trying to get into the party mm-hmm. the little bouncer notices that twitch mm-hmm. and it's very much shown as like oh she's tweaking yeah right she's on drugs she's, and she, she wants to get into the party to get to some get more. drugs exactly and that's not the case and even when that girl puts them in her mouth she spits them out yeah and is freaking out like that's not her thing yeah um similar to homelessness and very much related to it i said it's it sucks that we look at addiction the same way as like a, a personal failure yep. rather than a mental illness and that you losing your home or your job is just a a failure to like pick yourself up from hard times instead of recognizing that our society really doesn't care about people individually. Yeah. You're you're one bad decision away from society writing you off. Yeah. And you deciding are, you don't matter. You are only worth anything if you can contribute and how much you are worth is solely based on what and how much you can contribute. Contribute in the exact way they want you to. Yeah. Also. It's, um, yeah. I think it, it says something just as much about our, the way our healthcare system works. Okay. Um, this obviously sick and struggling woman, again, had to fake symptoms to get help. She had to OD herself just to get in to be seen. And yeah, she because had to, she did. I mean, that's how we started. Yeah. And previously, she has to lie about who she is, so they'll take her in. She had to use fake names or fake addresses so that they would let her in. We find yeah. out about seven ER visits that she's had. That's just the ones we know about. She probably faked her name to get into a number of other places. Right. Um, I was having an argument with someone on Facebook, like, last Lovely week. Lovely place. About this, and... This was a supposedly Christian woman who was arguing with me that as a Christian, we have no obligation or interest in our taxes going towards universal health care because A, well, that's not what Jesus wanted. B, because there are Medicaid hospitals and ERs are required to test or treat you regardless of your insurance status. 
and they're required to forgive your debt if you fall under a certain income level. But I can tell you those income levels aren't super forgiving, and if you're only bringing in 30000 a year and you get slapped with a $250,000 bill, yep. you're fucked. Yep. Even though you're above their guideline, you're fucked. You have to pay that, and you're stuck with it. So that's not a good argument. And beyond that, even if a hospital is required to take you in in the ER, if you can't pay, all they're required to do is make sure you're stable before they kick your ass out. Yeah. Literally, they don't. it doesn't matter if you come in with all the problems in the world. Which is what Foreman was trying to do. Yeah, you're stabilized, get out. Yeah. You're done. It doesn't require them to cover your prescriptions if you go into the hospital. Which, going back to that Prozac. Mm-hmm. If you go into the hospital and you have to have any sort of follow-up appointments, physical therapy, um, counseling, any of that stuff. God forbid therapy. Yeah, that's not going to be covered. Right. So, no, I'm sorry to say our healthcare system really doesn't give a fuck if you can't pay. Yes. So. And I just love, and this is coming from two Christians, uh, when Christians decide to say what Jesus wanted um, and then use it to not like people that aren't like them and to treat those people like trash. Yeah. It's my favorite. Yeah. Jesus wanted to do this individually, but I'm also, every time I get a chance to do a nice thing individually, going to say either, A, they're probably just going to use it on drugs, mm-hmm. or B, yeah, I'll help them out if they come to church. Or videotape it so that yeah. you can show what a good person you are. I'm such a good person. Look how I volunteer by yeah. bringing my whiteness to Africa or something like yeah. white savior complex is real yep, amongst that's... Christians. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it's annoying. It's annoying to me and we need universal health care and everyone who's saying, Oh, well, well you're going to have to pay for it. It's not free. Great. I'll you pay already, for it. You already fucking pay taxes every year. Like where, wouldn't you like that to go to something better than what it's going to? Cause you're not seeing a lot of benefit in your individual lives for that money. Paying an extra couple hundred dollars a year if I knew myself and everyone else could go to the hospital if they needed to would be lovely. That'd be great. And I know there are problems with universal health care. Yeah, and I, for sure. We're not like discounting that. There, there's problems with different systems as mm-hmm. well, but ours <laughs> yeah. isn't and good. We recognize, especially based on how many friends we have who are international friends, people live in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, that... For all the problems universal health care has, every Still single one of them looks this. at America's healthcare system and they're like, Jesus Christ, that sucks. Yep. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up is fuck cops. Um, yes. In this episode, Cuddy, or Foreman wants to go find this woman himself, but Cuddy dismisses him and says, I'll just have a cop do it. That's their job. The cop then decides to fucking tase a woman clearly having a mental crisis. And training cops in de-escalation doesn't fucking work. Many, many officers have have been shown to have gone through de-escalation training. But the fact is, when you show up, you feel even slightly threatened and you have a gun or a taser on you. And you're not trained to do something about feeling threatened besides just kill them? Yeah. And, I mean... Yeah, why why wouldn't you do that? Why would you bother trying to talk someone down when I can just shoot them and pretend that I felt threatened? I can, no one's going to question it. I can pretend that I felt threatened. I can delete this camera stuff or turn it off and then have my cops back me up because that's what we do. Um, 
This is why defund the police is even a thing. It's not about getting rid of cops. It's about reallocating that money to social workers and therapists and people who can go without a gun to de-escalate a domestic dispute or talk someone through having a mental breakdown. Like, they're not there to escalate. Having a gun escalates shit. I know personally, even though I know I haven't done something wrong, when I see a cop, I automatically assume they're looking at something that I've done wrong. Or if they even just talk to me, I assume, oh shit, I've done something wrong, and I get right. on the, I go on the defense. Yeah. And that escalates right off the bat just because I saw a cop. If I saw someone, a social worker show up to, you know, talk to me or something or whatever, I wouldn't assume that. I wouldn't assume that they're there to attack or arrest or charge me. I would assume they were there to help. And unfortunately, that's on cops for the fact that that's how they're perceived now. They're there to shoot. They're there to arrest. They're there to accuse So something that's been in the news recently, and this actually happened in 2014, but it's been going around because a bunch of moms got together um, to talk about police issues. Mm -hmm. So this mom has an 18-year-old son who's schizophrenic, and she had tried to get him admitted and tried to do like a voluntary admission into the hospital because she found a suicide note. Yeah. So that didn't work. They turned her away. About a week later, he's having really paranoid episodes and hallucinations and things are not going well. Mm-hmm. And so she calls 911 because she needs help with trying to get him involuntarily committed. In, yeah, involuntarily. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Weird inflection. So she's trying to do what's best for her son, okay? Mm-hmm. So two officers show up. They're doing good. One of them had actually been there a couple of days before, all right? So he, at this point, has a little screwdriver in his hands, but he's not, like, stabbing Waving at them or, or anything, right? Anything. And they're trying to de-escalate. And they're mm-hmm. trying to talk to him, talk to the mom, get him calmed down, get him to come in. And they know this is involuntary, and they're probably going to end up having to cuff him and take him in. But, like, that's that's the plan, right? And they're doing good. And then this third officer shows up. And according to the mom, she didn't even realize that he was a cop because he was just plain clothes, like, showed up, didn't announce himself, anything. He just walks in. Mm-hmm. He takes a few steps, gets to these other officers, and the 18-year-old kid, like, runs into the bathroom because he's scared. He's he's paranoid. He's having these hallucinations, right? He comes back out of the bathroom. This new officer says, I don't have time for this shit. Tells the other off- one of the other officers to stun him with the, the stun gun, which she does. He gets stunned. One of the other officers, the, the other other officer gets on top of him to cuff him. Dad gets the screwdriver away. Mm-hmm. This new officer pulls his gun and shoots him dead. While he's on the ground being cuffed. From the time they stunned him to him getting shot was 14 seconds. This new officer, like these officers were working with them, right? Mm-hmm. They were actually trying to do the right thing. This new one walks in takes a few steps into this hallway, was there for less than five minutes. Within, They stun him. They have him pinned. They get the weapon away. Mm-hmm. The weapon, quote. And he shoots him dead. Tell me, tell me why. Why was that necessary? Why did that happen? Like, wh- I... Why did he even show up? They already had two officers at the scene. They, there's nothing about them calling for backup. There's... I don't understand. It's literally just, I heard this on the radio, so I decided to show up. Right. And I, 
you know, like I said, this was a, a group of, I think, five mothers that, that mm-hmm. got together to talk about this kind of stuff that have all been through this. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Because somebody has to talk about it. Yeah. We, we hear the big names and that's good. We need to hear the big names too. But this is happening so often. And, you know, yes, we had two officers that were trying to de-escalate, and then this one just came in and shot him. And, like, hearing about stuff like this, I'm like, why are so many cops specifically against the idea of reallocating funds to other things? Yeah. You know, do you really want to be a counselor and a social worker and a blah, blah, blah? Or do you just want to be a cop? You know, the fact it's, I would say, it would seem pretty unfair to me to have all these jobs piled on onto you. you. Right. But that tells me that the fact that they're still against it means they just like the power. Yeah. They like the money. They like the power. They like the protection yeah. that and having police friends give you. Like, we've seen way too much of this period in history, but I think especially this last year or so with different riots and everything going on, it's... It's really coming to light. And I'm not glad that it's coming to light in the way that it is, because obviously yeah. that means it's it's happening more and more broadly. But um, people are paying it's attention. Already, the fact is, I'm glad it's it was already because it's already happening. It was already there, right. And we're just fi- now finding out about it and seeing it. And really how deep it runs. Yeah. So. And, yeah, the fact that in almost any other circumstance... If it wasn't a cop that did this, if it was a regular person that did this, they would be charged with murder. But because the police have a monopoly on violence and the use of violence as they see fit means that, oh, no, it's fine for them. Yep. It's just fine. I, no, I don't love it. But as that relates, like yeah, as that relates to this, the fact that. This cop tased her and then was able, or like, decided to lie about it. And the fact is, House gets the truth out of him. But in reality, that fucking cop could have lied about it and that would have been it. How long could they have spent looking for, you know, the the symptom or why that was a symptom? Like, the reason mm-hmm. behind that symptom when it was actually just that she got tased. Yeah. If he wrote a report, he... He could just say, oh, she attacked me or whatever. Well, right. maybe that's not what happened. Maybe he just didn't feel like talking her down or tackling her. So he just yep. tased her because that was easier. And like I said the, at the beginning about, I don't think the cops would have taken her to the hospital. Yeah. Same with this. Like he had to call 911 to get an ambulance there. And I don't think that would have happened. Yeah. So. so. I mean, maybe someone saw him. So he was like, oh, I guess I got to do this now. Right. But yeah. So this episode's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> We've got really. death and bastard cops and all sorts of stuff lots of lots of stuff especially right at the end that uh, maybe uh, kind of make it rough maybe next week will be better i don't know what happens next week but we'll definitely tell you we'll find out in a week back after these week-long messages okay bye sponsored by gatorade (laughs) bye